0: hit us up on facebook and twitter
1: download episodes of previous shows welcome to the podcast Care has the power to bring kindness where it's needed. It brings out the best in every one of us. It doesn't just see people. It takes time to understand them. It puts the needs of others ahead of its own. And when you start with care, you end up with a very different kind of bank. Truist. Truist Bank, member FDIC. FDIC.
6: Well, yesterday I got uh, news from a source that the countdown, the cyber ninjas, the big audit from the big steal ended up being a big dud. Cuz yes, kids. Today the audit will be over. People will be getting the look at it. Now I'm going to explain to you everything that has happened now. Let's remember. Let's let's, let's jump back in time okay if we can let's jump all the way back in time trump loses the election fox actually calls arizona which pisses trump off people start screaming and yelling of course as you tend to do there's no way just impossible how can a state as red as it is well first of all it's not as red as it used to be secondly you knew coming in as everybody kind of did the predictions were coming trump would be leading in some things by the time all the ballots got counted by the middle of uh you know the late into the evening early the next day it would be biden in the lead uh and you knew everybody was already lawyering up so that's the way that thing went this became the focal point of of the entire process of the challenge right because you saw what took place in, in the battle in Georgia, but at the end of the day, it was a lot more shouting, Pennsylvania, Michigan, all those things, but this was the place they were going to lead the charge, the audit. So what did they do? They brought in the ninjas. They brought in the cyber ninjas. Doug Logan, some unknown guy who is an IT specialist, cybersecurity specialist out of Florida, gets brought in. They're going to pay him X amount of dollars. It's supposed to last two weeks. Two weeks. They will deliver it today. It lasted six months. Lawsuits, chaos, craziness. At the end of the day, what did you get? What did you get? Because the hundred and fifty grand turned into almost $6 million. You paid for something.
0: Did you get what you wanted? according to maricopa county and several media organizations that have received early draft copies of the findings a republican audit that went on for months and cost millions of dollars will say the 2020 election results in arizona were accurate and that joe biden did in fact win this after almost a year of republicans in the state legislature questioning the results of the election in maricopa county the county says the report is also littered with errors and faulty conclusions about how the general election was conducted yeah, so this is what you're going to get today. Based
6: on the stuff that we have at hand, based on the things that we were allowed to get, based on that, because some stuff we didn't get, some stuff uh, it could have been taken before we were there. All of the based on all of those, we don't know. But judging by the count, the hand count, all of those things, we have concluded that for all intents and purposes, Joe Biden won. But it doesn't mean he won. Because there was some, still some issues out there. Because you got to keep the, the ruse going. By the way, not only did Joe Biden win, apparently he picked up votes. <laughs> I, my uncle believes it was stolen. He's not a nut job. But he believes it was stolen. I told him yesterday. My sources say Biden will pick up 271 votes and he'll be the winner still. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's totally possible. It is. It is totally possible. One hundred percent. No, no, it's impossible. There's no way. It was stolen. Ballot stuffing. All these things that 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 went on, all these little you know, conclusions, well, they stuffed ballots here. They were wrong on numerous occasions and it got pointed out to them. It got pointed out to them. And I said yesterday and I'll continue to say when you bring a circus to town and you allow the circus to conduct itself the way the circus decided to, you can't be surprised when the clowns show up. That's the reality of it. Lots of money, lots of stuff, but it doesn't matter because anything but Trump won, people will say it's not real. Anything other than Trump won this election they're already coming up with well we didn't get this or we should have got that why didn't we have this why didn't we have that anything but they're they're going to give you a thousand excuses of why they couldn't come up with it when the reality is you had all the ballots and by the way you didn't even do the counting right at times All the things you said you want to do because you got so far behind chasing things like bamboo. You got so far behind chasing wild conspiracy theories like, well, what really happened was you fed it into the machine and then there was a fake uh, floor of which it dropped down and they would take it out. You got this crazy idea that they took those things. Then they fed them to a bunch of chickens. I'm not making this up. They fed them to a bunch of chickens. Then they burned and killed 175,000 chickens. That was one of the conspiracy theories. At the end of the day, this is what you get. Was it worth it? No. Will it make anybody happy? No. Will it piss some people off? Possibly. But much like people who get taken advantage of when it comes to crazy, you know, online, I mean, uh, you know, late at night ministers and they keep handing money over to people. Or the GoFundMes where somebody said, look, we did something really good for a vet and they take all that money. It's the same thing here. You continue to hand money over, they're going to continue to do it. If they're serious about it and, you know, you've got some people that are serious and they've thrown their own money in. But by and large, most of it's been, hey, you know, Mike Flynn's group and Sidney Powell's group gave money over here. Yeah, they gave money, but whose money was it? The other side of it is when you start to come out and accuse people of doing things, you better be able to back it up in court. Because if you can't back it up in court and you lied, then all of a sudden you're liable for that. And you've lied to the feds. And when you start lying to the feds and they start coming involved, what do we always say? It's never the crime. It's always the cover up. They're looking and they're seeing. They're still allowing that uh, Dominion thing to go through with Sidney Powell and uh, Giuliani. I don't know if we can afford that. That $6 million are evaporate fast. And the other side of it is, the, the expose the other day kind of on Doug Logan, who was this guy? Who is this guy? If you read it, and it's a very, Jen uh, Fifield out here at the uh, Arizona Republic and uh, in AZ Central wrote it. She so wanted to find out kind of who he was. And she said, you know, as I talked to his friends, most of his friends, he's like, he's never been political. Never. Never. He's deeply religious man and completely upstanding and trustworthy. I asked people yesterday, will you believe the audit when it finally comes out? I think you'd be surprised. Those people that say, yeah, totally. When they don't get the answer they want, they're going to say, well, it's a lie. 323-538-2423, 3, 3, 3, at Chad Benson Shows, your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. All that being said, guess what? There is still a thing out there called the coronavirus. The boosters will be ready. But Dr. Walensky or Rochelle Walensky CDC, she's already kind of overruled some people. And she's saying, hey, you know what? If you've got underlying conditions, it's okay to get a shot, which is something we've always thought about. But it was supposed to be for 65 and older. Now she's kind of saying, well, you know, if you want, if you think you've got underlying conditions, you can go ahead and do it. I just sit there and I start laughing and I'm like, man, this is exactly what, why people don't trust what's going on. The FDA said now 65 plus for a booster. CDC backed it up. But then she overstepped and said well if you've got underlying conditions that's always kind of been the thing if you've got certain underlying conditions maybe you've had i don't know a a transplant of some sort the medicine that you're on may counteract and reduce the antibodies and things that would be used to fight the, the the virus so that's understandable but here we are again and i was saying yesterday you know you want people to believe in this thing it's hard to believe in it when everybody's been wrong and if I'm Joe Biden, I look around and say, you know what, we need a fresh start. Not that we dislike these people, not that we think these people are bad. I'm not saying any of those things. But sometimes you need somebody in the room that gives a fresh perspective. Sometimes you need somebody in the room that's got a clean slate where they they haven't flip-flopped. They haven't gone from point A to point B, back to point A, then to point C. They haven't done any of those things where people can look and go, okay, this person's been all right. This person seems to have it going on. This person seems to be okay. But when you say trust the science and then the FDA and the CDC say one thing and then somebody
2: comes in and says, nah, that booster shot could be made available as early as today for anyone over the age of 65, along with long-term care facility residents and adults with underlying health conditions. Though if you're under 50, they say you should discuss it with your doctor first. The CDC's director also just added another group of people, frontline workers considered high risk. An independent panel initially, initially left that group out, but Director Rochelle Walensky overruled them
6: and she's been all over the place too again fresh perspective if you want people cuz let me tell you what people are hearing when people talk about the coronavirus they're tuning out let me tell you we haven't talked about it for 3 days let me tell you what happens when when you see people talking about the coronavirus and the media hypes it up and all this you want to know what happens you guys remember peanuts right charlie brown and everything they're like the adults <laughs> You want to start getting people to pay attention if you think it's as serious as it really is? You better figure it out, how you change the narrative. But the reality is, it's time to say, let's live above this. Let's move on from this. We're going to treat it kind of like the flu, and we're going to watch it. And if there's variants of this thing that could be even more, we'll get on it immediately. But until then, it's time to live our lives. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. Love hearing from you. Raycon, best earbuds around. I've got my Raycons. Did a bunch of editing yesterday. I had my Raycons on. In fact, I had my Raycons on and it was to the point where I went out and I started doing some stuff and people were like, what are you listening to? I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my God, I had my earbuds. They're so incredible. Ray J put together something where he wanted the sound, the style, the quality and the fit. But instead of being 300 bucks, he wanted it to be under 100 bucks. In fact, the Raycons that are out there right now are the ones I'm talking about, but you can get, there's several different kinds. Start under $70 and you're going to save an extra 15%. Better sound quality, better design, better fit, no stems, no wires, 45 day happiness guarantee. This is how you do it. Save 15%. Buy com slash Chad. Buy com slash Chad. Buy com slash Chad. Coming up this hour, bottom of the hour. Not going to want to miss this. We had a chance to speak to John Cleese yesterday. Faulty Towers, that's what I love him from. Monty Python, absolutely love him. Fish Called Wanda, many other things. It is interesting. It is funny. And can I just say, what a nice gentleman.
2: Chad Benson Show.
6: You go, boy. This isn't about right or left. This is just about right and wrong.
5: Right you
7: are, Chad. Chad the Chad
6: Benson Show.
7: Following a grand jury indictment, the U.S. District Court of Wyoming now issuing a federal arrest warrant for 23-year-old Brian Laundrie. Laundrie accused of withdrawing at least $1,000 using a debit card and PIN number that were not his. This as we learn. The city of Moab, Utah, has announced a formal investigation into the police department's handling of that incident between Gabby and Brian caught on body camera when a witness called 911 to report a possible domestic dispute. On August 12th, officials say there doesn't appear to be a breach of policy but add that appropriate action will be taken if the investigation finds otherwise
6: so he's no longer a person of interest he has now been indicted so there's an arrest warrant for the murder of gabby petito changes things the question still is where is he is he in a crocodile is he, is he in an alligator stomach it's possible is he in Mexico, possible, that he tried to head for Canada? Because remember, people are asking, well, why didn't Florida do something? Well, originally, when they kind of investigated, they really, that like, there's her van. She's an adult. Adults can do what adults do. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anything. He's not done anything here in Florida. There's no body. So people are asking, why didn't they, you know, uh, go after him sooner or put a tail on him? It, it, because things, you know, it, adults do stuff. So what were they to do? And people talk about, well, it's 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 the it's the missing white woman syndrome. Yeah, there is something to that, but it's also part of the stories we've talked about in the past. But the other thing is, this thing has something—a component that, in, in the past, where the media pushed a narrative, the narrative was was essentially so loud that the media had to do something. You had somebody who was not only fairly active on, on the social media world, extremely active, active to the point where she had a following. It was the following and the social media world who became the Sherlock Holmes early in this and pushed it to the point where the media paid attention. But I don't know where he is. I don't think any, as far as, I don't think he's in that, the, that carlton reserve i think that, that was a smokescreen and the question now about his parents remember his parents up until the point where you know when he when he was just a person of interest they have no obligation to tell him anything and they're not in trouble for anything now if they do know where he is and they're not saying they would be if they gave him money before and he took off and they didn't know because he wasn't you know well wanted suspect just a person of interest that's no big deal if they are or have given him money, now, well, it's a different story. So, it, it's still like you know, it's one of those things where you sit here and you look and you think, all right, where do you think this cat could be? My my bet is he would have got to Mexico. Not going to go to Canada. You're probably going to try to get to Mexico. That'd be me. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Yep, that's where my money would be. All right, guys. John Cleese, the great John Cleese, going to join us straight ahead. We interviewed him yesterday. It is fascinating and fun. Chad Benson Show.
0: The Chad Benson Show.
5: Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson.
6: Uh, He's not often I get to say I get to interview somebody I get excited about and a hero and somebody who I just love. I get to do it now. He's got a show that is coming to the Orpheum Theater here in Phoenix, October 15th. Uh, John Cleese, the great John Cleese, who's still getting greater. And I can't wait to see this. It's called Why There Is No Hope. And
8: John, why is there no hope? Because uh, the people in charge, <clears throat> excuse me, have no idea what they're doing. And the even worse, they have no idea that they have no idea what they're doing. So there's no chance that we'll ever be governed in a sort of sensible, intelligent, well-informed, kind way. We have to let go of that. It's, it doesn't matter. It's, never, it's always been like that. I mean, you know, if you go back to, I don't know, the... A Roman Empire. You imagine it was nice working in the Roman Empire. It's always been chaotic and unfair. Life is unfair. But it doesn't mean we can't have a thoroughly enjoyable good life um, within the limitations of the, of the society that we live in. And that's what it's all about. It's actually, it's a sort of humorous thing about what's known as the serenity prayer, prayer which they have in Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a a wonderful organization with almost no central control at all, and it does great work. And the serenity prayer says, God, please uh, give us the courage to change what we can and the patience to endure or put up with what we can't change and, this is the lovely bit, the wisdom to tell the difference. And there's a lot of things we can't change but there's a lot of ways that we can have thoroughly worthwhile lives, and I think it's harder in America, because in America, there's a sort of feeling that if you're not rich or uh, famous, you're a bit of a failure. And I cannot imagine a more awful thought.
6: Yeah. Well, no, I... I... <laughs> we we were talking a bit about this today with a couple of my buddies talking about if if there isn't just something special about you even though you you could lead a great life that people will feel like yeah. they've let people down and that's not a way to live
8: No, no way to live at all. I've just been in Vienna. I flew into uh, Toronto last night. I'm here for 14 days so that I could get into the U.S. in 14 days. I don't have anything to do here except to enjoy myself. But in Vienna, I was watching people, and I thought they're not driven. They look as though they're living their own lives instead of being lived by their lives. And there's so many aspects of it. Can you imagine that billionaires are envious of each other? I mean, they should be in uh, mental institutions. And uh, why is it that Americans (laughs) give such, um, uh, what's the word, respect to people with a lot of money? I prefer the great English poet Alexander Pope, who in the 18th century said something like, he used slightly different language, but he actually said, if you want to know what God thinks of money, look at the people he gives it to. (laughs) (laughs) one man once rang me up in australia and said can i can i have dinner with you i'm the third richest man in australia and i thought that's a really good reason not to have dinner with him um there's a whole lot of values out there that are quite crazy and what really matters is that people should have have fun and and behave properly and honorably towards other people and and increase the amount of trust in america the the trust is very low at the moment and there's one town called linda loma in california where the trust is very high and because they all come from the same um, italian village and have done for two generations everybody trusts everyone everyone helps everyone and they all live much longer with much less stress than the rest of us and uh, and uh, you know they know if there's a disaster, people in America, it's very sad. Uh, terrified, they'll get sick and it, it will bankrupt them. In in Linda Loma, they just uh, know that if they're sick, everyone's going to come and 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 help. And that's something that's completely missing now in individually uh, individualistic societies like America and Britain.
6: Talking to John Cleese, the great John Cleese, uh, Orpheum Theater, October fifteenth. He's got a show. You guys have to get out and see it. It's called "Why There Is No Hope." You know, you look back on your career. I mean, we could Monty Python, obviously, is great. I was telling people earlier uh, that, to me, comedy really came alive when i was yeah, i'm 50 years old but when i saw faulty towers faulty towers to this day i can watch oh, really? all 12 episodes a thousand times it is arguably something i don't think politically correct world would allow today but it they still to me is arguably much, the you
8: know? Huh? you know i'm sorry to but they wouldn't be bothered by much of it today uh there was one particular thing in the in the germans episode as it's called that, that where the um Uh, The old Major, we were making fun of the Major's prejudices by having him define all these groups that he regarded as, as inferior and how they were different from each other. And people sort of upset it because they had no sense of irony. They didn't realize we were making fun of the the statements. They thought we meant the statements. And when you have people with no sense of irony and then with no sense of humor, then there's nothing you can do, really. I don't think you should listen to them, though, because they deprive other people of a lot of joy. You know, it's like if you're having a party and the maiden aunt comes down, or the maiden uncle. And you're, uh, you know, you all start behaving properly, and all the fun goes out of it for a few minutes, and then they go away, and you go back to having fun again. I don't think we should allow these people to um, dictate to us what's acceptable or not. If they don't like something, then like me, don't watch it.
6: Yeah, it's. I mean, again, I the other day, I mean, there's a few. I lived in. I was fortunate enough to live in England, John, for for about a decade. I played football, and then I worked in radio over there, and you know, I fell in love with. All of the stuff, like uh, obviously *Faulty Towers, I fell in love with Only Fools and Horses, all these brilliant shows. And I look back and I think how brilliant they were.
8: They were. And what used to happen in England is that you used to just have one person writing a lot of the time, sometimes two. But they would write uh, six or 12 shows a year, you know. And then you come to America, and I've been lucky enough to do things like Will and Grace and Cheers. And you have writers or a writer's table where there's 14 writers helping each other, you know. And you are wonderful, you Americans, at taking a very good idea and making it last for series after series. I mean, David Hyde Pierce said to me that he thought the scripts for Frasier were better in the third and fourth series than they were in the first and second. The English don't tend to do that so well. The first two or three series tend to be better, and then it fades a bit. We don't know how to do the long runs.
6: No, no, no. Well, we know how to make things last. We know how to stretch things. Talking to the great John Cleese, Orpheum Theater, October uh, 15th, Friday night. Get tickets. Uh, You look at today's world, comedy, all the stuff that you've done, all the stuff you've achieved. And I know you've got new stuff that you're working on. In fact, I was watching Jim Jeffries talk about how he thought he killed you because of COVID, which I thought was hilarious. I don't know if you've seen him do that bit. (laughs) (laughs)
8: Yes, he's a great friend of my daughter who's actually in the show, I should say, at the Orpheum because, uh, you see, I just do this talk for about half an hour and then we go... And for about an hour and a quarter, we have Q&A. And the wonderful thing is I have no idea what's going to happen. But my daughter knows me very well, of course. So she's very good at guiding things in the direction of my funniest stories. And she makes selections of because there are some very good questions that lead to having a lot of fun and others that are just a bit dull. Like, why is it called Monty Python? Uh, it's not a bad question. It just happens to have a dull answer. So she weeds them out and we have a lot of fun. To Together, but it's lovely when the audience gets rude and starts asking me questions like why can't you stay married? You <laughs> really think it's funny cutting off somebody's arms and legs. And those kind of questions, we get great fun. So it's to some extent, it's, it's up to the audience to be nice and rude and ask pointed questions. And what I love is you have no idea what's going to come up. I mean, I was in Florida once, you won't believe this, and a lady stood up in the stalls. I remember it now she's smartly dressed and she said... Uh, May I ask a serious question? And she said, did the queen kill Diana? (laughs) Oh, my God. I I was the only one laughing. There were 2,000 people holding their breath. And I was more or less rolling on the carpet. I thought it was so funny. In the end, I said, well, certainly not with her bare hands, which did get a laugh. But uh, you never know what they're going to say. And in uh, Oslo, once uh, a young man got up and said, Mr. Cleese, if you had to choose to be a component part of an aircraft, what component part of an aircraft would you choose to be? (laughs) Again, (laughs) I thought it was the stupidest question I've ever was intended to be in the end i said the joystick of course but but i mean you just don't know what you're going to get and i love that
6: i love that too i can't wait to see it john cleese joins us orpheum theater october 15th uh Last question. I appreciate you coming on today. Comedy today. Again, you you hear comedians worried about being canceled. The PC culture is is it 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 has run amok. And you have these people that walk the fine line. And I have always thought comedy is the thing that keeps people honest, especially people in power. But nowadays, it feels like the people in power have taken over comedy.
8: I think that they um, have two problems, mainly the woke people. One is I don't think they have much of a sense of humor, um, and they certainly don't have a sense of irony. And I've always thought that a sense of humor is a sense of proportion. Um, the other thing that uh, I, I think they have problems with is understanding human psychology. I mean, uh, I'm I re- reading at the moment about a number of um, therapists who practice cognitive behavioral psychology and they say that what they do to help people who suffer from a lot of uh, anxiety or depression is the opposite of what the woke people are doing so the woke people with the best intention in the world are actually making things worse
6: yeah yeah well they're making it not funny and you and i both know without laughter what will we do John, I thank you so much for coming on today. You are, again, brilliant. I can't wait to see you.
8: I am brilliant Uh, and I'm wonderful, but I should be thanking you for allowing me to try and sell tickets.
6: Well, you know what? We'll do everything we can. We're going to make sure we we, we we push it because you are brilliant. And going there, I think, for a lot of people, having the opportunity to participate like this is uh, something you don't get a lot of uh, opportunities to do. John Cleese, uh, Orpheum Theater, October 15th. Get out there and see him. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, enjoy Canada because it's super fun, eh?
8: It's lovely. It's like America would be if America was sane.
6: <laughs> thank you so much, John. I appreciate that today.
8: Come back afterwards.
6: Okay, we'll do. After Thank you. Show.
8: I would okay. love that. Thank you. Great. Jesus. That'll be Thank fun. You. Bye. Three two three five three eight twenty
6: four twenty three at Chad Benson shows your Twitter, your Instagram. Hit me up. Go ahead. Tell me what you thought. Faulty Towers. How cool is that? Chad Benson. Show.
1: Care has the power to bring kindness where it's needed. It brings out the best in every one of us. It doesn't just see people. It takes time to understand them. It puts the needs of others ahead of its own. And when you start with care, you end up with a very different kind of bank. Truist. Truist Bank, member FDIC.
5: Set Chad straight. Text the show. 323 538 2423. That's 323 538 CHAD. Someone has to do it. Might as well be you. The Chad
9: Benson Show Dear Evan Hansen Four years ago, Dear Evan Hansen dominated the Tony Award Six wins, including Best Musical, and now it's a movie
1: no, I got nothing to say.
9: Original Broadway star Ben Platt leads the cast That also included Amy Adams and Julianne Moore That's only in theaters starting today On Apple TV Plus, it's the future of mankind expressed in numbers. Isaac Asimov's critically acclaimed sci-fi trilogy, Foundation, has been made into a very ambitious streaming series. And the Melissa McCarthy dramedy, The Starling, is out today on Netflix.
6: Yeah, not a lot. Next weekend, bigger weekend. You're going to have Venom, Carnage, and then you're going to have Adam's Family 2. Actually, Adams Family too, I'm gonna to take the kids next weekend. It's the first time I've been in the movie in a year and a half. And you guys know my love of movies. Then nothing really happens the next week. Then the following week we get the Halloween movie, and I'm pumped. Pumped. A lot of stuff still to do this weekend. I am pumped. I've been telling Phil, I got in this morning. I'd done a lot of more prep than I normally would at night. Because I knew when I got in, I couldn't take my eyes off the Ryder Cup. Still can't. Love it. Live it. I'm so pumped. I'll be watching the Ryder Cup all weekend long. In fact, I've got a computer set up where I'm watching over here, and I've got the big TV on behind me. It'll be the same at my house. And then football, of course, I'll have both on at the same time. But to give you my football picks, I picked the Panthers yesterday. I picked the Panthers, so want to know. Cards will win this weekend. They take on the Jags. I don't see that being a tough game for them. You know, one thing, though, I will say this. The pressure of young athletes in in situations now where uh, the Jags had the number one pick. They were 1-15. in 15. They chose Trevor Lawrence, who is, in many ways, people say, a generational talent. One of those people. A generational talent. We are two games into his NFL career. And people are like, he's a bust. He hasn't played awful. He's made some throws he shouldn't have. But this is a guy, until this year, had never lost a regular season football game. What well, you say, Chad? Come on, it's his first ever. Pop Warner, junior high, high school, even in the college at Clemson. In fact, between Clemson and high school, I think he was 80-0. and 0. So, something to think about but the cards will win that game. Uh Chargers Chiefs, one of the best games today. Early game Chiefs will win that game, bounce back. Browns will beat the Bears. Justin Fields going to have his first game as a starter. Is this the time that they get a quarterback in Chicago? We will see. Bills take on the Washington football team. Come on now. Bills, Colts, Titans. Titans. Saints, Patriots. Will the Patriots overlook the Saints cuz next week somebody's coming to town. And that somebody's Tom Brady. Falcons, Giants, Giants will win that. My upset, if you will call it, I think the Bengals beat the Steelers. Lions are going to get crushed at home. The Jets always pick the Jets to lose. That's a solid bet. Broncos will win. Raiders, Dolphins, Raiders will win. Then the game of the day. Buccaneers, Rams, maybe a preview of the NFC championship game. I think the Bucs get it done, and I think they really announce, yeah, we're ready. We're going to do this potentially again. Vikings beat Seattle. Night game, 49ers-Packers. I'm taking the Niners to win at home. And then Monday night, Cowboys-Eagles. Cowboys get that win. So there you go. Write it down. I've written it down. We'll see how well I do. <laughs> Last week, I think I was 1 over 500. But so far, I'm undefeated this week. So, And there's a reason for that. Team started a new player last night, a rookie. Mills played. Davis Mills is his name for, for the Texans. But it also shows you that when you play on a team that is good in the sense that the organization's run well, Sam Darnold played for the Jets for those years, they're an awful organization. Darnold went out last night, played well again, even when they lost McCaffrey. I'm telling you guys. It's so much of it's about where you get drafted. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Rough Greens makes any pet food better. You will love it. I give it to my dogs every night. Maybe many of you out there think, well, you know what? I see all this gourmet food and all this stuff and all this fresh stuff. How about not having to worry about that? Give them kibble, whatever it is. Put the rough greens on top, and you watch what happens. It's going to bring out the vitamins, the minerals, the nutrients. It's like giving them a chef-like thing without having to go through all the hassle. It's incredible. Give them energy, helps their coat, and it helps their joints. You will love it. Try it before you buy it. RuffGreens.com slash Chad. Roughgreens.com slash Chad. You're going to get a bag for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. You will not be disappointed. Or you can call 833-MY-DOG-77. RuffGreens makes any pet food better. Chad Benson Show.
5: This is The Chad Benson Show. independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson.
0: According to Maricopa County and several media organizations that have received early draft copies of the findings, a Republican audit that went on for months and cost millions of dollars will say the 2020 election results in Arizona were accurate and that Joe Biden did, in fact, win. This after almost a year of Republicans in the state legislature questioning the results of the election in Maricopa County. The county says the report is also littered with errors and faulty conclusions about how the general election was conducted.
6: Yep, this is it. Today is the day. The cyber ninjas have been at it for a while. Remember, it was only supposed to take a few weeks. And then write the report. Lawsuits, fighting, underestimating how you're going to get this done. Today is? Final countdown. Absolutely. Finally, it is over. Because it is truly. It's the final countdown. In some ways, it's the final countdown. I will tell you guys, uh, it's never going to be for people who don't think Biden won. If you're of the belief that Biden And the Democrats cheated. Then no matter what this says today, unless it's what. You wanted to say. You won't believe it. I told my uncle last night. Again, business partner, best friend. We always get into it over this. He just there's no way. There's no way stuff happened. And I said, I talked to my sources today. My sources who've been right. I talked to other people inside of our building who are the news people and their sources confirmed what my sources say biden's going to pick up 250 to 71 votes something in there actually but here's what they're going to do they're going to come out over the next couple days because remember you're going to get this gray area of we didn't get everything we needed even when we did it was too late we still think stuff happened. You're going to hear maybe stuff was removed before. You're going to hear that it, because there's got to be an excuse because people can't fathom that Trump lost. And if you were abducted, right? So you're abducted, or you're you're you better yet, you're on a trip with your family. You're out in the ocean, right? You're doing, you're shipwrecked. You get picked up, brought back. You've been gone for a year and a half. You don't know what the coronavirus, you don't know any of those things. And the first thing you see on television is Biden in a parking lot with 50 people in a car honking and some people holding up flags and hundreds and maybe thousands of people lined up, you know, honking and laughing at them as they come by because they're all Trump supporters. And then you see Trump holding a rally and there's 5, 10, 15, 20 you're like, that guy's got to win. It's no way. The enthusiasm. But people are enthused about Joe Biden. And they weren't. And at the end of the day, I think they got it right. At the end of the day, I think they did everything they could. You were, you wanted this. You got it. You got the, the, the company that, that you wanted to put this thing together. And based on that you're not going to get the thing you want i i said over and over there'll be enough gray area where they'll still leave the conspiracy theory people to say this there'll be enough gray area that they'll still leave uh, people out there to, to question the powers that be but it won't go in so far as to say that trump won because based on the count there's nothing else that they can say because they know if they start accusing they know if they start saying that this this, this thing was stolen from them we've got everything here and there's just no way that you can't say it wasn't you're going to have to start pointing fingers pointing fingers after you release your report and your findings they're going to have a chance just like in science to answer back anything that you have and if you've lied You could be liable. They're also looking out there and seeing what's going on with Dominion. Mike Lindell getting sued. It's still going through. You look out there and you see Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani. They're not throwing anything out. They can appeal all they want. And the last thing these people want to do after they've made their $6 million is A, stop the money train, and B, and this is vitally important, not get sued. So that's what you got. You knew it was going to be more Geraldo and Capone safe than it was going to be bombshell. Three, two, three, five, three, eight, twenty-four, twenty-three. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter tweet at us. Text the program. All that being said, the border is still a mess. There's about twenty-five hundred or so people still underneath, and I'm assuming that the bridge in Del Rio. I'm assuming over the weekend most of them will be gone. Where are they going to go? That is a good question. I don't think a lot of people really know. They're not telling how many certain cities are getting. That information's not being told this is a nightmare. I still look at Biden and say this is your mess. you created this and and, and you continue to create this by not standing firm. You rang the dinner bell in that second. Debate saying that you were going to give a pathway to citizenship to 11 million people. That didn't even count the DACA. And you and I both know that it's closer to probably 20 or 30 than it is 11.
10: We cannot follow the Trump policy. We have to create the Biden policy of humane treatment for Haitian refugees.
6: Yeah. Yesterday, the essentially the special envoy to Haiti quit, let the scathing letter saying that you know this is inhumane what you're doing and there was uh several pieces over the last couple of days saying look biden when it comes to a lot of things is a little bit more trump than i think a lot of people thought he was going to be yeah but now the question is is, is what do we do yesterday al sharpton did what he did because there is a chance for him to go somewhere and to Get in front of a camera. And of course, this has become a race thing.
5: It's not just ancient migrants. It's all black migrants are treated differently
8: from non-black migrants.
6: So the minute you can throw a race, you got every opportunity. Here comes Al, ready to roll, ready to do his thing. We should have compassion. I got zero problems with that. We also have rules and laws.
11: If you uh, come from a nation where the president has been assassinated in the last 60 days, followed by an earthquake, followed by a hurricane, I don't know how you can more qualify for asylum than that.
6: Natural disaster, the assassination of your president, and an earthquake. Do those things qualify as asylum? Let's take a look. Shall we? We shall. Those seeking asylum. Must prove that they are escaping their homeland because of persecution due to race? No. I wouldn't think so. Religion? Mm. Nationality? Eh. Membership in a particular social group or political opinion? No. So poor economic climate, earthquake, assassination of a president... And a hurricane do not qualify for that. Do I think they will get asylum? I think some might. I'm not saying everybody in, by the way, everybody in there is not Haitian. But a good majority of them are. Do I think they will get asylum? No. Do I think that they're going to be kicked out? No. So you know you got to look so so they talk about this right so the persecution due to membership in a social group i doubt that's there there may be a few but the reality is probably not and by the way when you look at the definitions of social group tribes ethnic groups social class like laborers labor union leaders and those persecuted for sexual preference again you might have a few but the reality is probably not People looking for a better life isn't a reason for asylum. That's not what it was put there for. If you want to change the laws, if you want to do something like that. But if you're going to go in that direction, you could look in places like, you know, I don't know. What used to be Burma? (laughs) I don't know what it is this week. Right? You've got many places in Africa. There was a coup a couple weeks ago that failed. Venezuela. I mean, you can go across the board and find uh, that's. What, what are we going to do? Well, I know what the Biden administration gonna do. It's going to be quiet. It'll continue to look at what took place as they should and investigate the incident with the horseback. Were they being whipped? Weren't they? What was the entire thing? How long was the video? Is there more to the whole thing? So they'll they'll look at that. But that'll be the only focus. Everything else. Not so much. Because we're still not dealing with it, and we're going to look at the thing that makes the headlines for the left and the media to run at, but we're not going to actually look at the stuff that we need to, is how do we prevent this from happening again? Because I'll tell you what, if if there's 12, 13, 14,000, 10,000, whatever it is, and 85 to 90% of them end up staying, what do you think is going to happen from now on? 3235382423 3235382423 at Chad Benson shows your Twitter tweet at us text the program Roman can make your night great. Oh yeah. So you put in the work. You met somebody, right? Yeah you, 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 you're thinking the time is right. But you don't want to be, how should we say, not able to perform. That's why you go to get roman.com/slash Chad. Talk to a US licensed healthcare professional. Here's what you get with Roman. First and foremost, they want to make sure you're comfortable. It's discreet. It's all in the comfort and privacy of your own home. You're going to get a free online evaluation for ongoing care for ED, erectile dysfunction. Because when the time is right, you want to make sure you're Roman ready because you want to have confidence in knowing, yes, you can rise to the occasion in said moment. It's discreet. It's straightforward. It's convenient. And you can get started with one simple step by going to GetRoman.com chat. You complete an online visit, right? Take care of the whole thing right there. It is so easy because you don't have to leave your house, right? That's the beauty. And if medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. Go to GetRoman.com slash Chad today. If you're prescribed, you can get a 50% off your first month ED treatment. Save 50%. GetRoman.com slash Chad. GetRoman.com slash Chad. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control this summer. Get Roman ready GetRoma.com slash Chad today to save 50% Chad Benson Show.
0: Where's my order? Does anyone know how to find my order? How can I find my order? (laughs) Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom, the customer support platform that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to Intercom.com slash support to learn more
5: check out our chad benson show facebook page where you can hang out or hang your grievances out to dry this is chad benson
8: five four three two one zero ignition
6: Lift off. Now it's time to find out... What's trending? What's trending? Yeah, what does that mean? I mean something, right? Like it's trending on the old internet. What's trending? Let us take a peek find out what is trending. Arizona audit trending big time. Biden won, even with the cyber ninjas and the, the biasness that was brought to this. Plus the millions of dollars. It showed... Biden won. In fact, what they're saying is Biden picked up votes. But there'll be other conspiracy theories of why this wasn't the right on it. That won't be one of those things that is going away because the money's too good. The money's too good. Christy McCaffrey. How long is he going to be out? Injury update last night. Arguably one of the most dynamic football players you will ever see. Uh, Look to maybe pull a hamstring. They got the win last night, but he's kind of often injured. But that's what happens when you basically touch the ball almost as much as the quarterback. Ryder Cup trending because it's awesome. If you guys have never seen the Ryder Cup and you kind of like golf or you just like sports and competition, it is like nothing you've ever seen. Imagine the World Cup meets college football meets the Olympics. It's golf. There's no money at stake. It's all pride. It's the best in the world. That we have versus the best in the world that Europe has. Battling it out. There's chanting, there's teams, it's crazy. Watching this morning, you know, it's pitch black out there and the stands fill up within seconds. It's gonna be about a hundred thousand people a day in whistling straits. It's just awesome to watch. You head on over to the magical world of Twitter. Obviously, the audits big news. Because, you know, this was supposed to change everything. This was supposed to be the the smoking gun. This was supposed to be the start of the domino effect. This was supposed to be all of those things. And it ended up being a giant nothing. Ryder Cup trending there as well. As well as Fredo. Reports are coming out that Chris Cuomo, when at ABC, harassed sexually a female producer. Don't know if it's true. Hasn't been at ABC for a while. She says she doesn't want him fired. Not quite sure what this is about. But welcome to the world of, you know, accusations. Will they do an investigation? Right now, ABC's already got issues with GMA and sexual harassment there. So is this a domino effect where well, there's a lot more going on back in the day? We shall see. And Jason Miller. Yes, Jason Miller former Trump guy, right, former, former, you know, really a big guy and a big player in and around Trump, there are accusations. See, everybody's got their conspiracies, and the left doesn't think they have theirs. Apparently, he organized all the Haitians to go to Texas. That's what they're saying. He's, he, 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 he did it. Uh, People are saying, yep, he he did it. He organized this. He was down there. He got arrested for, and was detained for a little while in, down at their CPAC in Brazil. And from there, he uh, apparently helped these people. Get themselves out of Brazil, into America, strictly to attack uh, Biden. Yeah, uh, 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 I'm not buying this one. Once again, like everything, where's the proof? Show me the proof. If he did it, that's insane. But do you have the proof? Just like with the votes. Do you have the proof? Because at the end of the day, what matters? The proof. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. Chad Benson Show.
0: The Chad Benson Show.
5: independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson.
0: Without much transparency, the partisan audit has been underway for months. The results have been delayed several times. Today is a day Arizona Republicans say they will release their findings conducted by a Florida company with no election audit experience. When they present their findings, no questions will be allowed. Maricopa County and some media outlets have received early draft copies of the report. After millions of dollars spent, the report will allegedly say the results in Maricopa County were accurate and that Joe Biden did win.
6: Yeah, but again, there's no transparency, and there will be other questions left out there because it's easy to say, well, according to all that we got, Joe Biden won. But we still think there are things that took place that were nefarious. And because of that, we still think there are a lot of questions out there. That they got to these ballots early. That they hid all the things that they had to hide, That there was still... So they're going to leave it like in a very gray area, open to interpretation for everybody out there who still wants to believe that Trump won. On the other side of things, frustration, accusations. It has been ugly living out here and and seeing this happen. And the funny thing is, knowing and talking to people who are in the Republican Party here who feel like this entire thing was a sham And that, yes, it's good to ask questions. And, yes, it's good to look into things if you think there's nefariousness based on stuff that was real. But nobody outside of a few really believed it. And the worry for a lot of people is what's this going to do moving forward in here? Because there are opportunities when it comes to being able to potentially get a Senate seat things of that nature. This is a state that was once pretty dead red. And now you've turned the secretary of state who oversaw this into a person who is got national attention, is raising tons of money and has become somewhat of a name here when she really wasn't outside of the political sphere. So, Does it hurt or help? I think it hurts. Now, does it help the cause of raising money off conspiracies 100%? If you leave it gray enough, if you leave it in such a way that it's open for interpretation, guess what happens? You can still push for it. You can still run and say, look at here, look at here. We still think there are things because it's an industry now. Trump's loss has become an industry. Case in point.
8: State officials will gather up the ballots from the 2020 presidential election in four of Texas' largest counties, Dallas, Tarrant, Collin, and Harris, and conduct an audit to ensure that the certified result was correct. A two-sentence statement from the Secretary of State's office suggests that it's not a partisan action, but three of those four counties were carried by Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, last November.
6: You don't think there'll be money there? Of course there is. This thing was supposed to cost like 150 grand. The ninjas were supposed to be here for two weeks. We get this done in 14 days. I laugh my ass off. This can't get done in 14 days. They spent the first three or four weeks running around chasing conspiracy theories. Everything from the the bamboo to green light to all of this stuff. UV. Oh, they were doing all kinds of things. Then the counting was a nightmare. They couldn't get volunteers. It was it, the whole thing ended up being a giant. <laughs> then lawsuits came. We didn't get the things we wanted. Well, you're not getting these things. They have nothing to do. We want this. All of this stuff ended up being six and a half, seven months. Tens of millions of dollars as far as time, manpower, and the money raised for them was right around six million infighting and a fractured party and, and somewhat of an embarrassment. I have zero problem looking into stuff. If you think that there is nefariousness that's real, who shouldn't want that? If you think you can strengthen the 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 voting structure in ways that give people more confidence, we should all want that. That being said, this wasn't the way to do it, and I'll continue to say this: if you invite the clown, to, if you invite the circus to town, don't be surprised when the clowns show up. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three 538 at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. Biden's at least somewhat talking about the border, but how so? Do
12: you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding?
13: Of course I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses really running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. But the
6: 10,000, 13,000, whatever it is, plus that came here, you take any responsibility for, for that whatsoever? I, I'm curious, right? I, who shouldn't be? You You rang the dinner bell. You invited them for all intents and purposes here. Just out of curiosity... Why are we talking about that? Yes, we all agree. You do your investigation. You do the due diligence. You do all of those things. If there's more pictures out there, there's more cameras, there's more things. You talk to everybody. Absolutely. If people need to be punished, damn skippy you do. You don't treat human beings like that. If they were rushing it, the horse, if there were things that happened before, let's find it all out. Okay. That being said, you're ignoring the fact that there were tens of thousands of people living under a bridge that came from a different country. You're not talking about that. Just just curious. Asking for a friend or several thousand.
13: But it's just easy
6: to take your eyes off that
13: mess. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. But what about the,
6: does it matter? You're not there to talk about that. Hell, the reality is, you should probably give those people a medal for taking the eyes off the fact that your immigration plan, which consists of handing it over to Kamala Harris, who's been useless, because this has taken the entire focus, especially with the media, to something else doesn't matter though i mean they're they're not going to get anything done they're not going to make an effort they're not going to 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 acknowledge the fact that there were all these people here they're not going to and we can be absolutely understanding we can be empathetic but we should also have a plan and be real and what i've seen from this administration is they're they're short on plans, and bad at execution. Which is mostly politics, right? I mean, they're, you know, they fight like lions. You know, we, as the people, we fight like lions, but we're led by donkeys. 323-538-2423, at Chad Benson Show, is your Twitter. Tweet at us, text the program. Love hearing from all of you. I do. It's just very frustrating. I think a lot of you are frustrated. And I'm not looking for... This administration and the next administration, there's always going to be illegal immigration. There's always going to be issues that take place. We all understand that. What I'm looking for is an effort. What I'm looking for is somebody who is really trying to do something. I didn't like a lot of what Trump did, and I like some of what Trump did. He at least acknowledged there was a problem at the border. He at least acknowledged that. Oh that's because he's racist and evil. Okay, that's your that's your go-to for everything. But the reality is is if you don't think this is a problem then what's a the problem look like? If you think that people walking here unabated into our country once they get near the border, setting up in a in a, in a, in living in squalor for several days, which no human being should have to do. If you don't think that's an issue, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're delusional. We should make it easier for people to come here on a temporary basis and work. We should make it easier for people to come here and, and to be able to not only contribute to our society, but to themselves and potentially to their homeland. We should absolutely do that. How we can't fill a lot of the jobs we have now. A great article yesterday about the fact that Microsoft and many of these other large tech firms uh, and companies across the board have unfilled green cards when it comes to tech workers that are just essentially, you know, expiring. Can't get people to fill them through the paperwork and the nightmare. And everybody thought Biden was going to be different. And Biden's being accused over and over again of being not too dissimilar to Trump when it comes to some of this stuff. But you rang the dinner bell. People have showed up. And nothing has come of it. Well, the pictures and, and the video that you're not upset with is the amount of people that were there. The pictures and the video that you're not upset with is the fact that they're just walking across this, this, this levee and setting up shop. The pictures you're not upset with is, is our Border Patrol overrun. But you're upset with the fact that a guy on a horse took a swing. Absolutely zero problems with you being upset. that The optics are awful. Do I know the entire story? I do not. They're denying it. They're saying there's a lot more to it. But you're not upset with one. You're upset with the other. You could do both, by the way. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. Love hearing from all of you. It's a new report out about the best, the best songs to drive with. with. So when you're out, you're about, I don't know if I believe in some of these. Some of them I do. This song, oh. I do not like. That's just me. That's just me. This one.
14: You can go way.
6: I'm okay with it. I keep telling people though, so much of it when you're driving is based on where you're going. Because classical music also made it. So if you're going on the 17 mile drive in Northern California, if you're taking a drive along the coast, if you're out in the middle of the desert and the sun's going down, it's beautiful outside, that could be very much a classical thing. If you're going to party with your friends in Vegas for the weekend, this is not that song. I'm like, who put this together? Billy Joel? We'll play some more of those. But it's just some of them. And we'll tell you what the number one song for driving in the car for your mood. 323-538-2423 3, 3, 3, at Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Rough Greens makes any pet food better. You will love Rough Greens. Give it to my dogs every single night. What it's done for my dog doodle, you guys have heard, but I've also got puppies. I want to start them out on the right track. And I will tell you this. They're they're young. They're healthy, they're bouncy, all of those things. I expect nothing less. They're they're spoiled rotten. But the one thing that I notice is their coats. I've had dogs my whole life. And their coats get messy, they get nasty. Their coats are beautiful. They have zero problems with allergies, especially where we live where allergies can be a problem for 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 the dogs and for because for for humans. Because they're scalping and 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 you know all of the the like the golf ranges and they're putting in a new golf course behind her house and they're doing so, no problems whatsoever. And it's all about the rough greens. Whether your dog's older or younger, whether you're worried about keeping them healthy and starting the right, or you're seeing them lose energy, tell them to try rough greens. Just look at them. Said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get you rough greens. Ruffgreens.com/slash/chad. It is a supplement. You sprinkle it on top of your dog's food, it brings your dog food to life, and it will give them energy. It'll help with their joint pains and so many other things. It is simple and easy. Buy it. Nope. Try it. Yep. They're going to send you a bag for free. You cover the cost of shipping. Roughgreens.com slash Chad. Roughgreens.com slash Chad. Get you a free bag of Rough Greens or call 833-MyDog77. Rough Greens makes any pet food better. Chad Benson Show.
1: Care has the power to bring kindness where it's needed. It brings out the best in every one of us. It doesn't just see people. It takes time to understand them. It puts the needs of others ahead of its own. And when you start with care, you end up with a very different kind of bank. Truist. Truist Bank, member FDIC.
5: Antisocial sucks. Hang with Chad's friends on Facebook, the Chad Benson Show. And if you just need some alone time, head on over to Twitter at Chad Benson show. Either way, we can't wait to meet the real you
6: This is one of those songs, the driving songs that people enjoy driving to. Don't stop believing. I got a feeling. Tonight's
14: gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a
9: good night I like night. this. Moment.
6: That tonight's gonna be a good good night. Again, so much of it is where you're going. But the number one song out of all of this, right? Because you got a lot of the stuff that's the you know, I mean, who doesn't love this? A great song. Great song. Another great song. Ooh, see that girl,
14: watch that sea, queen.
6: But the number one song of all of this is one that takes you back to the 90s. Even though the song came out well before that, but it got a rebirth in the 90s because guy named Wayne, guy named Garth, their buddies, in a car, a pacer, rocking out. Got a, moosh, got a moosh,
3: will you do the bandango? Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me.
0: Galileo, Galileo, Galileo Figaro.
6: If you've not seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, when they do that part of the movie... Keeps on Roger. All right. Higher, 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 higher. No, go higher, higher, no higher. Okay. Now the operatic part operatic. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, it is just great. They're throwing like the microphones and they've got them on the, uh, like a, like a piece of rope. And then they, they get it going back and forth like a pendulum and they're singing and they would come by and they were singing. It was just brilliant. And then when they, you know, said, here it is. And they turned it in. They're like, It's like seven and a half minutes. This is never going to happen. In a day and age, we just didn't do that. So, But that's number one. As for me, if I'm cruising and I'm going out and I'm on a holiday, well, I just need a holiday road. Buckingham Holiday Road movie Vacation. You guys remember that? It's a great movie. Great song. 323-538-2423. at Chet Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. Love hearing from all of you. The immigration's still crazy. You've got the the, the lunacy of the A Z audit finally finished with showing Biden won. Uh, usually a quiet time of the year with a quiet Friday. Not so much. Chet Benson show.
5: This is The Chad Benson Show. Here's to getting back together to planned lunches and unplanned cookouts, to grandma's recipes and smells that take us back, to passing down plates and traditions. Here's to warm embraces and familiar faces. To your best friends becoming best friends. To scheming, dreaming, and food still steaming. Here's to laughter and love. To growing closer than ever. For all of life's get-togethers. Chinette. Here's to us. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson.
0: According to Maricopa County and several media organizations that have received early draft copies of the findings, a Republican audit that went on for months and cost millions of dollars will say the 2020 election results in Arizona were accurate and that Joe Biden did, in fact, win. This after almost a year of Republicans in the state legislature questioning the results of the election in Maricopa County. The county says the report is also littered with errors and faulty conclusions about how the general election was conducted. Yeah. So.
6: What have we learned? Nothing. Well, if you're a common-sense individual who's looked at everything, seen everything tossed out of court on numerous occasions, saw no evidence anywhere of widespread fraud anywhere, that accusation after accusation was thrown out of court, laughed out of court, over and over again, things that were, you know, where, hey, look at this. Well, oh, yeah, well, that's been debunked. If you believe it's stolen, that has not changed today. Last night, my uncle, God bless him, I love him, he believes it was stolen. And I told him, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. I said, Biden won, and he actually, they found more votes for him, 271. said, I don't know what the final report, but I said, my people have been 100% on this. And he's like, it's impossible. He goes... I said, but here's what they're going to come out with, right? The ninjas and everybody that's Karen fan and Kelly Ward, all the people that have been leading this thing from the Republican side out here in Arizona, they're going to come out with, uh, along with the ninjas, gray areas of, we think there was nefariousness. We do not have the proof because we did not get all of the things we asked for. And because of that, Based on the things that we had, these are the numbers and it seems to play out almost identical to other audits and everything else. But we do believe there's more to the story. At the end of the day, it's what it is. Trump lost. Trump knew he lost. I've been saying for a while, you could tell... Trump, dude, you didn't lose. Biden stole it from you. Biden could come to go, look, we'll, we'll say you didn't lose. He did not care about the presidency. He doesn't want to be seen as a loser. These people bought into it. But other people took advantage of it. They took advantage of it because they saw the opportunities to raise money. And they've raised lots of money, and there'll be opportunities to raise money going forward. They're going to be doing what now? Well, this is it, right? No. Well, this is it for Arizona, but it's not it.
8: State officials will gather up the ballots from the 2020 presidential election in four of Texas' largest counties, Dallas, Tarrant, Collin, and Harris, and conduct an audit to ensure that the certified result was correct. A two-sentence statement from the Secretary of State's office suggests that it's not a partisan action, but three of those four counties were carried by Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, last November. There you go. That's that's the
6: perfect thing. Keep it going. Money's good. Keep it going. Patrick Byrne from Overstock, he's thrown in all this money, right? Uh, You've got Michael Flynn has his own thing where he gave money. You've got Sidney Powell who raised all of these people have raised tons of money for the Stop the Steal to show everybody. All all of them have done it, and it is a money-making thing. The problem is along the way, the hyperbole, the lies, the continual lies, the conspiracy theories that look like they've been drawn up by people uh, who work in Hollywood and continue to do so will also cost some of these people in the long run. For some, you've been bamboozled out of your money. For others, the Sydney Powell's of the world, you're looking at losing who knows what, everything potentially, Giuliani. all well, The ninjas looked. They didn't find anything. They thought it was going to be easy. They didn't find anything. They brought a guy in who, by all accounts, while he may have some conspiracy theory in him, the father of eleven kids. Friends say he's the most one of the most upstanding guys you'll ever meet, pretty very deeply religious, and didn't seem to be political at all. In many cases, people family and friends had no idea he was even involved in politics until this started to come out. But when you start getting sued, when you start making accusations that you can't back up, you start to say to yourself, why don't we make this a little bit grayer? And we'll go from there. But they wanted it. They got it. They had the people they wanted. They weren't transparent. They didn't get some of the stuff they said they were going to get until the last minute, but only because they didn't follow any of the rules that they set in place the end of the day, it was flawed from the beginning. The circus came to town. With that circus comes what? The clowns. And that's what it was. A clown show. 323-538-2423. 3, 3, 3, at Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us. Text the program. Love hearing from all of you. Then you've got immigration. The nightmare that is. And is continuing to be. A nightmare that is continuing to be. For who though? See, Biden came out today Talked about all of his stuff, his legislative agenda, the coronavirus, all of these things. And then, of course, yes, had to get to the immigration side of things. Is he going to talk about the fact that there were all of these people here? Or is he going to talk about the fact that not only are they here, they're here illegally. And it's been ignored. Or are you going to take the scene where it looks like they're swinging the reins and trying to whip or hit somebody which they said they didn't hit anybody, and they denied that they were trying to whip, only trying to steady themselves, worried about the horses. That's the easier focus.
12: Do you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding?
13: Of course I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses really running them over people being strapped. It's outrageous. I promise you, those people will pay.
6: Yeah. You do the investigation. You do the things you're supposed to. If they broke protocol, you absolutely make them pay. They should lose their job immediately. There should be an investigation across the board. Zero problem with that. Let's find out the whole story. How many times have people run? And we're going to what? We're going to make a judgment now based on this thing that we see that lasts 10 seconds, 15 seconds, not seeing what happened before, not understanding how the training went, none of those things. You absolutely make sure you have in place the tools to do a true investigation, all of those things. But you are ignoring the fact that there was some 10, 13, 14, 15, depending on who you talk, 1,000 people that came here, mostly Haitians. You've ignored that. You've ignored the fact that last month, yet again, another record, over 200,000 people that they encounter at the border. And they're saying 20 to 30% of the people they catch? I said, hell, let's say they catch 50%. And by catch, no, not catch. Not catch at all. Surrender and release. If that's true... We're on pace for three and a half, four, five million people this year. This is chaos. You need to get a hold of it. This is chaos. You're the president. This is chaos. You invited everybody. And by allowing them to stay here for asylum. What do you think that is going to happen from here on out? Just curious.
11: If you uh, come from a nation with a president has been assassinated in the last 60 days, followed by an earthquake, followed by a hurricane. I don't know how you can more qualify for asylum than that.
6: None of those are rules to qualify. They're not a special group being persecuted. There's no politics in in their persecution. They're not part of some sort of ethnic cleansing. Tribe is one of the things that, that, that's available out there. Religion is another one earthquake no looked on there okay well what about uh uh hurricane no political assassination no but if you say we're going to allow them to stay which is going to happen and you're not going to send anybody back they'll send some back but they're not sending all for all intents and purposes a vast majority of them are going to stay and the non-transparent numbers will be exactly that non-transparent. What do you think that says to the next group? Seems like there's safety in numbers and let's go. But focus on the one thing which should be talked about, but ignore the other. You're putting a band-aid, one of those little itty-bitty ones, On a bullet wound, and there's been 100 shots, but you only got one band aid. Let's just focus on that. 323 5, 3, 538 at Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Tweet at us. MyPellow gives you the Geezer Dream Sheets, which are incredible. Top of that, they've got the My Slippers back, also incredible. Try these and everything else. It's simple, it's easy. Go to mypellow.com, use the promo code Benson. It comes with a 60 day money back guarantee. The Geezer Dream sheets are made with long staple cotton and proprietary technology that gives it a sateen feel, comfortable, easy to sleep on because they sleep cool. You're not going to sleep hot. You're going to love these soft, amazing sheets. And check out the My Slippers, the mattress toppers, and of course, the My Pillow. You can get those and everything else at deep discounts with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Different colors and sizes for the geese dream sheets. Same thing for the the, the My Slippers, which have a patented fill and it's got soft gel. So when you put these on, you will feel it and you can walk anywhere, outdoors, indoors. Yeah, it's incredible. MyPillow.com, use the promo code Benson. MyPillow.com, grab the promo code Benson and use it right there. Say big. MyPillow.com, promo code Benson. Bottom of the hour, John Cleese. The John Cleese, of course, Monty Python fame, to me, one of my heroes because I love Faulty Towers. Will join us talk about all things, politics, little humor, you name it. Straight ahead, Chet Benson, Joe.
5: No snowflake zone. Uninformed opinions are in danger of melting. The Chad Benson Show.
7: Following a grand jury indictment, the U.S. District Court of Wyoming now issuing a federal arrest warrant for 23-year-old Brian Laundrie. Laundrie accused of withdrawing at least $1,000 using a debit card and PIN number that were not his.
6: Yeah. So, he's no longer a person of interest. He is now wanted. So... Timeline has changed, too. There were things that took place that people are starting to investigate. As we learn of a possible change in
7: the timeline of Gabby Petito's last known sighting, witness Nina Selie Angelo claims she saw Gabby with laundry at Mary Piglet's restaurant in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, on August 27th, three days after officials originally thought she was last seen. The restaurant is just outside Grand Teton National Park. Gabby's body was discovered near there earlier this week. The restaurant has confirmed to ABC News that the couple were there, and they say they're now speaking with the FBI, but the agent has not confirmed the incident
6: yeah so much of this push you know like people people are are totally obsessed with crime now you know from podcasts i was telling phil i said i'm gonna do a podcast soon but uh 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 my podcast <laughs> my podcast is only gonna be on petty crime Today we're investigating who stole all these hubcaps. <laughs> Something like that. So that's a lot of why, you know, the white the missing white girl syndrome, as people call it. Yeah, that's a very real thing. But there has to be a story around it. People go missing all the time. Here we had a guy named Daniel Robinson out here that went missing. He's black. Oh, is it because of that? No, it's because the mystery is simply this. He's missing. His geologist, they found his Jeep kind of in a ravine. The airbags had deployed, but the airbag, then he, somebody drove the vehicle for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 miles, something like that afterwards. But he's an adult. There was no nefariousness. Was it a suicide? Did some, I mean, but so the mystery of it is one thing, but you have to have the story sex, the salaciousness of it all, all of these things. There has to be that perfect storm for it to matter. If Gabby Petito was a 23-year-old runaway who was on the streets doing drugs and she disappeared, that's not a story. It's a story to her family. But this girl also was somewhat of an influencer, She lived her life online. That's what brought attention to everybody is the people online started chasing the story and that brought the attention. People asked the question, why wasn't he arrested sooner? Why didn't they? Because Florida had no reason to. The crime, if there was one at the time, was committed in a different state. He was not wanted for anything there and people go missing. Now the question is going to be, and it's about his family. Did they give money to him? That's not a crime because he wasn't suspected of anything at that point in time as a person of interest so are they helping him now is a different story we'll see i don't know where he is is he at the bottom of that lake swamp thing in the belly of an alligator was that just a ruse to throw off the scent is he in mexico did he escape that direction in a world of cameras in a world of closed circuit television and it, it, the fact that we haven't seen him, but people are saying at some point in time he's going to come up for air. And when he does, that's it. We'll see. The mystery is still there, but he is now no longer a person of interest. He is now wanted. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Tweet at me. Growing up, I loved Monty Python, but I love something even more. It's called Faulty Towers. The genius behind both of those. John Cleese joins us straight ahead. Chad Benson Show.
0: The Chad Benson Show.
5: Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson.
6: Uh, He's not often I get to say I get to interview somebody I get excited about and a hero and somebody who I just love. I get to do it now. He's got a show that is coming to the Orpheum Theater here in Phoenix, October 15th. Uh, John Cleese, the great John Cleese, who's still getting greater. And I can't wait to see this. It's called Why There Is No Hope. And John, why is there no hope?
8: Because uh, the people in charge, <clears throat> excuse me, have no idea what they're doing. And the even worse, they have no idea that they have no idea what they're doing. So there's no chance that we'll ever be governed in a sort of sensible, intelligent, well-informed, kind way. We have to let go of that. It's, it doesn't matter. It's, never, it's always been like that. I mean, you know, if you go back to, I don't know, the... A Roman Empire. You imagine it was nice working in the Roman Empire. It's always been chaotic and unfair. Life is unfair. But it doesn't mean we can't have a thoroughly enjoyable good life um, within the limitations of the the society that we live in. And that's what it's all about. It's actually, it's a sort of humorous thing about what's known as the serenity prayer, prayer, which they have in Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a a wonderful organization with almost no central control at all, and it does great work. And the serenity prayer says, God, please uh, give us the courage to change what we can and the patience to endure or put up with what we can't change and, this is the lovely bit, the wisdom to tell the difference. And there's a lot of things we can't change But there's a lot of ways that we can have thoroughly worthwhile lives. And I think it's harder in America because in America, the the sort of feeling that if you're not rich or uh, famous, you're a bit of a failure. And I cannot imagine a more awful thought.
6: Yeah. No, no, I... I... (laughs) We we were talking a bit about this today with a couple of my buddies talking about if if there isn't just something special about you, even though you you could lead a great life, that people will feel like yeah. they've let people down, and that's not a way to
8: live. No, no way to live at all. I'd just been in Vienna. I flew into uh, Toronto last night. I'm here for 14 days so that I could get into the U.S. in 14 days. I don't have anything to do here except to enjoy myself. But in Vienna, I was watching people, and I thought they're not driven. They look as though they're living their own lives instead of being lived by their lives. And there's so many aspects of it. Can you imagine that billionaires are envious of each other? I mean, they should be in uh, mental institutions. And uh, why is it that Americans give such, um, uh, what's the word, respect to people with a lot of money? I prefer the great English poet Alexander Pope, who in the 18th century said something like, he used slightly different language, but he actually said, if you want to know what God thinks of money, look at the people he gives it to. (laughs) (laughs) one man once rang me up in australia and said can i can i have dinner with you i'm the third richest man in australia and i thought that's a really good reason not to have dinner with him um there's a whole lot of values out there that are quite crazy and what really matters is that people should have have fun and and behave properly and honorably towards other people and and increase the amount of trust. In America, the the trust is very low at the moment. And there's one town called Linda Loma in California where the trust is very high and because they all come from the same um, Italian village and have done for two generations. Everybody trusts everyone. Everyone helps everyone. And they all live much longer with much less stress than the rest of us. And uh, and uh, you know they know if there's a disaster, people in America, it's very sad. Uh, terrified, they'll get sick, and it, it will bankrupt them. In in Linda Loma, they just uh, know that if they're sick, everyone's going to come and 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 help. And that's something that's completely missing now in individually uh, individualistic societies like America and Britain.
6: Talking to John Cleese, the great John Cleese, uh, Orpheum Theater, October fifteenth. He's got a show. You guys have to get out and see it. It's called "Why There Is No Hope." You know, you look back on your career. I mean, we could Monty Python, obviously, is great. I was telling people earlier uh, that, to me, comedy really came alive. When I was, yeah, I'm 50 years old. But when I saw Faulty Towers, Faulty Towers to this day, I can oh, watch all 12 really? episodes a thousand times. It is arguably something I don't think politically correct
8: world would allow today. But it we still, to me, is arguably much, the. You know?
6: Huh?
8: you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but they wouldn't be bothered by much of it today. Uh, there was one particular thing in the in the Germans episode, as it's called, oh. that, that where the. Um, Uh, The old Major, we were making fun of the Major's prejudices by having him define all these groups that he regarded as, as inferior and how they were different from each other. And people sort of upset it because they had no sense of irony. They didn't realize we were making fun of the the statements. They thought we meant the statements. And when you have people with no sense of irony and then with no sense of humor, then there's nothing you can do, really. I don't think you should listen to them, though, because they deprive other people of a lot of joy. You know, it's like if you're having a party and the maiden aunt comes down or the maiden uncle. And you're, uh, you know, you all start behaving properly and all the fun goes out of it for a few minutes and then they go away and you go back to having fun again. I don't think we should allow these people to um, dictate to us what's acceptable or not. If they don't like something, then like me, don't watch it.
6: Yeah. It's, I mean, again, I, the other day, I mean, I, there's a few, I lived in, I was fortunate enough to live in England, John, for, for about a decade. I played football and then I worked in radio over there and, you know, I fell in really? love with, All of the stuff, like, uh, obviously, *Faulty Towers, I fell in love with Only Fools and Horses, all these brilliant shows. And I look back, and I think how brilliant they were.
8: They were. And what used to happen in England is that you used to just have one person writing a lot of the time, sometimes two, but they would write uh, six or 12 shows a year, you know. And then you come to America, and I've been lucky enough to do things like Will and Grace and Cheers, and you have writers or a writer's table where there's 14 writers helping each other, you know. And you are wonderful, you Americans, at taking a very good idea and making it last for series after series. I mean, David Hyde Pierce said to me that he thought the scripts for Frasier were better in the third and fourth series than they were in the first and second. The English don't tend to do that so well. The first two or three series tend to be better, and then it fades a bit. We don't know how to do the long runs.
6: No, no, no. Well, we know how to make things last. We know how to stretch things. Talking to the great John Cleese, Orpheum Theater, October uh, 15th, Friday night. Get tickets. Uh, You look at today's world, comedy, all the stuff that you've done, all the stuff you've achieved. And I know you've got new stuff that you're working on. In fact, I was watching Jim Jeffries talk about how he thought he killed you because of COVID, which I thought was hilarious. I don't know if you've seen him do that bit. (laughs) (laughs)
8: Yes, he's a great friend of my daughter, who's actually in the show, I should say, at the Orpheum, because, uh, you see, I just do this talk for about half an hour, and then we go and for about an hour and a quarter we have Q&A and the wonderful thing is I have no idea what's going to happen but my daughter knows me very well of course so she's very good at guiding things in the direction of my funniest stories and she makes selections of because there are some very good questions that lead to having a lot of fun and others that are just a bit dull like why is it called Monty Python Uh, it's not a bad question it just happens to have a dull answer so she weeds them out and we have a lot of fun together but it's lovely when the audience gets rude and starts asking me questions like why can't you stay married? (laughs) You really think it's funny cutting off somebody's arms and legs. And those kind of questions, we get great fun. So it's to some extent, it's it's up to the audience to be nice and rude and ask pointed questions. And what I love is you have no idea what's going to come up. I mean, I was in Florida once, you won't believe this, and a lady stood up in the stalls. I remember now she's smartly dressed and she said, Uh, May I ask a serious question? And she said, did the queen kill Diana? (laughs) Oh, my God. I I was the only one laughing. There were 2,000 people holding their breath. And I was more or less rolling on the carpet. I thought it was so funny. In the end, I said, well, certainly not with her bare hands, which did get a laugh. But uh, you never know what they're going to say. And in uh, Oslo, once uh, a young man got up and said, Mr. Cleese, if you had to choose to be a component part of an aircraft, what component part of an aircraft would you choose to be? I thought <laughs> <laughs> it was the stupidest question I ever remember. was intended to be. In the end, I said the joystick, of course. But, but, I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get. And I love that.
6: I love that, too. I can't wait to see it. John Cleese joins us. Orpheum Theater, October 15th. Last question. I appreciate you coming on today. Comedy today. Again, you you hear comedians worried about being canceled. The PC culture is is it it, it has run amok. And you have these people that walk the fine line. And I have always thought comedy is the thing that keeps people honest, especially people in power. But nowadays, it feels like the people in power have taken over comedy.
8: I think that they um, have two problems, mainly of the woke people. One is I don't think they have much of a sense of humor. Um, and they certainly don't have a sense of irony. And I've always thought that a sense of humor is a sense of proportion. Um, the other thing that uh, I, I think they have problems with is understanding human psychology. I mean, uh, I'm I re- reading at the moment about a number of um, therapists who practice cognitive behavioral psychology. And they say that what they do to help people who suffer from a lot of uh, anxiety or depression is the opposite of what the woke people are doing. So the woke people with the best intention in the world are actually making things worse.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're making it not funny. And you and I both know without laughter, what will we do? John, I thank yeah. you so much for coming on today. You are again, brilliant. I can't wait to see you.
8: I am brilliant uh, and I'm wonderful, but please. I should be thanking you for allowing me to try and sell tickets.
6: Well, you know what? We'll do everything we can. We're going to make sure we 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 push it because you are brilliant. And going there, I think, for a lot of people, having the opportunity to participate like this is uh, something you don't get a lot of uh, opportunities to. John Cleese, uh, Orpheum Theater, October 15th. Get out there and see him. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, enjoy Canada because it's super fun, eh?
8: It's lovely. It's like America would be if America was sane.
6: <laughs> thank you so much, John. I appreciate that today.
8: Come back afterwards.
6: Okay, will do. After Thank you. Show. I would okay. love that. Thank you.
2: Great. Cheers. That'll be
6: Thank fun. You. Bye. 323 5, 3, 538 at Chad Benson Shows, your Twitter, your Instagram.
3: Right here in Greater Atlanta. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a
4: program that complements your regular recycling. Cause plastics can be so much more. Give this trash a second chance it was hoping
2: for. Greater Atlanta's hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.
6: Hit me up. Go ahead. Tell me what you thought. Faulty Towers. How cool is that? Chad Benson
5: Set Chad straight. Text the show. 323 538 2423. That's 323 538 CHAD. Someone has to do it. Might as well be you. The Chad Benson
9: Show. Dear Evan Hansen. Four years ago, Dear Evan Hansen dominated the Tony Award. Six wins, including Best Musical, and now it's a movie.
1: Oh, I got nothing to say.
9: Original Broadway star Ben Platt leads the cast that also included Amy Adams and Julianne Moore. That's only in theaters starting today on apple tv plus it's the future of mankind
1: expressed in numbers
9: isaac asimov's critically acclaimed sci-fi trilogy foundation has been made into a very ambitious streaming series and the melissa mccarthy dramedy the starling is out today on netflix
6: yeah not a lot next weekend bigger weekend you're gonna have uh venom carnage and then you're gonna have adam's family 2 Actually, Adams Family too, I'm gonna to take the kids next weekend. It's the first time I've been in the movie in a year and a half. And you guys know my love of movies. Then nothing really happens the next week. Then the following week we get the Halloween movie, and I
1: am pumped.
6: Pumped. A lot of stuff still to do this weekend. I am pumped. I've been telling Phil I got in this morning. I'd done a lot of more prep than I normally would at night. Because I knew when I got in, I couldn't take my eyes off the Ryder Cup. Still can't. Love it. Live it. I'm so pumped. I'll be watching the Ryder Cup all weekend long. In fact, I've got a computer set up where I'm watching over here, and I've got the big TV on behind me. It'll be the same at my house. And then football, of course, I'll have both on at the same time. But to give you my football picks, I picked the Panthers yesterday. I picked the Panthers. Some want to know. Cards will win this weekend. They take on the Jags. I don't see that being a tough game for them. You know, one thing, though, I will say this. The pressure of young athletes in in situations now where uh, the Jags had the number one pick. They were 1-15. in They chose Trevor Lawrence, who is, in many ways, people say, a generational talent. One of those people. A generational talent. We are two games into his NFL career. And people are like, he's a bust. He hasn't played awful. He's made some throws he shouldn't have. But this is a guy, until this year, had never lost a regular season football game. What well, do you say, Chad? Come on, it's his first ever. Pop Warner, junior high, high school, even in the college at Clemson. In fact, between Clemson and high school, I think he was 80-0. and So, something to think about but the cards will win that game. Uh Chargers Chiefs, one of the best games today. Early game Chiefs will win that game, bounce back. Browns will beat the Bears. Justin Fields going to have his first game as a starter. Is this the time that they get a quarterback in Chicago? We will see. Bills take on the Washington football team. Come on now. Bills, Colts, Titans. Titans. Saints, Patriots. Will the Patriots overlook the Saints cuz next week somebody's coming to town. And that somebody's Tom Brady. Falcons, Giants, Giants will win that. My upset, if you will call it, I think the Bengals beat the Steelers. Lions are going to get crushed at home. The Jets always pick the Jets to lose. That's a solid bet. Broncos will win. Raiders, Dolphins, Raiders will win. Then the game of the day. Buccaneers, Rams, maybe a preview of the NFC championship game. I think the Bucs get it done, and I think they really announce, yeah, we're ready. We're going to do this potentially again. Vikings beat Seattle. Night game, 49ers-Packers. I'm taking the Niners to win at home. And then Monday night, Cowboys-Eagles. Cowboys get that win. So there you go. Write it down. I've written it down. We'll see how well I do. (laughs) Last week, I think I was 1 over 500. But so far, I'm undefeated this week. So, And there's a reason for that team started a new player last night a rookie Mills played Davis Mills is his name for for the Texans but it also shows you that when you play on a team that is good in the sense that the organizations run well Sam Darnold played for the Jets for those years they're an awful organization Darnold went out last night played well again even when they lost McCaffrey I'm telling you guys it's so much of it's about where you get drafted. Three two three five three eight twenty four twenty three. At Chad Benson shows your Twitter. Rough Greens makes any pet food better. You will love it. I give it to my dogs every night. Maybe many of you out there think, well, you know what? I see all this gourmet food and all this stuff and all this fresh stuff. How about not having to worry about that? Give them kibble, whatever it is. Put the rough greens on top, and you watch what happens. It's going to bring out the vitamins, the minerals, the nutrients. It's like giving them a chef-like thing without having to go through all the hassle. It's incredible. Give them energy, helps their coat, and it helps their joints. You will love it. Try it before you buy it. RuffGreens.com slash Chad. Roughgreens.com slash Chad. You're going to get a bag for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. You will not be disappointed. Or you can call 833-MY-DOG-77. Rough Greens makes any pet food better. Chad Benson Show.
5: This is the Chad Benson Show.
2: Right here in Greater Atlanta.
3: Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things
4: with a program that complements your regular recycling. Because plastics can be so much more. Give this trash a second chance it was hoping
2: for. Greater Atlanta's hard to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program happening in your neighborhood today.
16: This is Motley Fool Money. It's the Motley Fool Money radio show. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me this week, senior Analyst Emily Flippin and Jason Moser. Good to see you both. Hey, hey. hey, Chris. We've got the latest headlines from Wall Street. We've got the latest in big tech with CNBC's John Fort. And as always, we've got a couple of stocks on our radar. But we begin with earnings. Costco ended the fiscal year with a bang. Fourth quarter revenue rose 17%. Same-store sales were up more than 9%. Shares of Costco up this week and close to a new all-time high. Jason, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a
15: business that continues to do what we've really come to expect. I mean, it's just resilient. It's customer-centric, and that continues to deliver a loyal and repeat customer base. Uh, Net sales, $61.4 billion, up 17.5% from a year ago. Uh, Earnings per share, up 20%. uh, And that was on strong traffic numbers. Traffic was up 9.2% worldwide, uh, 8.8% in the U.S. Transactions, right? the basket, that was up as well, 5.8% worldwide, 5.6% in the U.S., And the renewal rates continue, as I said, just to remain very strong. 91.3% for the US and Canada, up just slightly uh, from a quarter ago. And uh, total paid households now stand at 61.7 million. That's up 1.1 million from just a quarter ago. Margins holding the line in in what we see as a little bit more of an inflationary environment, which is really encouraging. Um, but, But all in all, like
16: I said, I mean, this is just a business that continues to do what we've come to expect. I couldn't help but notice they said they're going to start limiting purchases of paper goods and bottled water. Isn't that why people go to the Costco, in the first place, so that they can load up on toilet paper and bottled water and cleaning supplies?
15: Well, perhaps they're just trying to employ some lessons learned uh, from the recent past, right? I mean, 2020, uh, I think, taught us all a lot about a lot of things. And I think maybe they're trying to see around that corner a little bit because there are still some supply chain issues uh, from a global perspective. And it's not just a chip shortage, right? I mean, everything uh, is essentially on back order, it feels. And so it sounds like, it feels like at least they're just trying to see around that corner
16: a little bit. Makes sense actually. Mixed first quarter results from Nike. Profits were higher than expected, revenue was lower than expected, and Nike lowered its guidance for 2022, saying that the global supply chain is hurting their business more than they originally thought it would. Shares of Nike down 6% on Friday. Emily, I have a hunch we're going to be hearing the phrase global supply chain a lot
12: this earnings season. Well, that's certainly the story for Nike, as it has been for so many businesses this year. Shutdowns in its production facilities, especially in Vietnam, led to longer transition times, labor shortages. But what I think is really interesting and what we're seeing the market react to is the fact that they had to pull back guidance so greatly as a result of these changes. They pulled back quarterly and full-year guidance from the low double digits to the mid-single digits. That's a really notable slowdown. And what's even more interesting is that unlike some of the other businesses that have been impacted by these supply chain challenges, uh, there weren't a lot of hints from Nike in its most recent quarter, pre this quarter, about how big of a problem this would be. In fact, management said last quarter that they were optimistic in handling any challenges well. So, that's a big change just from June to where we are in late September between what management saw last quarter and what they're expecting for the near future.
16: How concerning is that? I mean, Nike is an experienced, mature company. They have been in the global game for a long time.
12: I'm not super concerned, because this inventory issue, again, is likely to persist until Vietnam takes a less aggressive approach to curb the spread of COVID, and really, that's anybody's guess. So, I'm less willing to punish management here for not being more forward-looking with their guidance. I do think what investors should be focused on that the market's overlooking right now is a slower growth in China. Uh, last quarter was also a weak quarter for China. This quarter was a weak quarter for their Chinese sales. And there really wasn't much of an explanation. And that's concerning because historically, Chinese demand has been really strong, a key growth driver for Nike. So, this is definitely something to watch over the next few quarters.
16: Adobe's third quarter profits were higher than expected, and revenue was a record for the software giant, but shares of Adobe down 5% this week. Jason, is this valuation? Because it's kind of hard to look at Adobe's results and see any serious cause for concern.
15: I don't know that it's valuation as much as it's just a little bit of language in the call, and I'll get into that here. There was another strong quarter, like you said, a strong business, strong quarter. But as we've seen with a lot of digital themes here over the past couple of years, uh, management created at least a seed of just hesitation. Maybe they mentioned the word seasonality uh, several times. They're talking about how with with the Economy reopening, uh, we're seeing activity picking back up. People willing to travel a little bit more. There's lower lower web traffic as folks uh, traveling get out of the house, and that's something that has impacted uh, Adobe's business modestly. And they're calling for the future here over the, over the course of the coming year. As a potential headwind right and so when you have a business like Adobe that's valued at around forty five times free cash flow it's not what you would call cheap now it is a dominant business so it's always been uh, awarded that premium multiple and i don't I don't expect that to change. I think it was a relatively uh, cut and dry week form here, but the numbers were very impressive revenue up twenty two percent earnings per share up twenty one percent thanks to their digital media segment. And the investments in Document Cloud uh, revenue uh, continue continue to pay off that Document Cloud revenue of $493 million was up 31% from a year ago, with their Adobe signed transactions now up 10 times over the last three years. So, we're seeing a big uh, opportunity that they're capitalizing on beyond just their digital media business. Uh, all things considered, as a shareholder and as one who has recommended the stock before, uh, I feel very good about where they are and where they're headed.
16: Shares of FedEx down more than 10% this week after first quarter profits came in lower than expected. FedEx also cut their earnings guidance for the full fiscal year. Emily, I know there is not one single stock that is a bellwether for the economy, but FedEx is probably on the short list of bellwether stocks, and this isn't that encouraging.
12: I will say there are some aspects that are impacting this quarter that are outside of FedEx's control, especially related to the labor shortages that we're experiencing. In fact, we covered FedEx last quarter, at least I did here on Motley Fool Money, and I noticed that they had a great quarter last quarter, record levels of both revenue and profit, but we are still kind of tepid because it was very clear that FedEx would be faced with things like higher labor costs, again, that are very much outside of the business's control. And so even though they've been largely able to pass these increased costs along to the end consumer. It was clear last quarter that the issues they've had around hiring, the constraints on their logistics networks during one of their busiest years ever, those would likely end up hitting margins. And that's exactly what we saw this quarter. Sales were up 14% year-over-year to just under $22 billion. Profits, though, actually fell 10% to $4.37 a share. So, the core reason, again, that their labor pool is just more expensive and shortages caused less efficiency. Within its networks. So, I think the question investors should be asking themselves is Are these issues short term? And while management thinks so, I think it's important to remember that changes are likely to happen gradually. And they're headed into peak season. So, don't expect these costs to suddenly go away.
16: I was going to say, they also talked about how they are looking to hire 90,000 seasonal workers. If labor is part of the challenge here, I know there are some investors who might look at a mature business like FedEx and say, oh, the stock is down 10%, maybe it's time to pick up some shares for a little bit cheaper, but it seems like they've also got some headwinds going into the holidays.
12: I don't mean to be overly bearish, because as you mentioned, FedEx is a bellwether stock, right? They've, they've been a pretty consistent performer over the past decade. They pay a dividend. All these things are great, but they are certainly paying up for these peak season workers. And there is a belief among some experts that people are going to go back to shopping in person for the holiday season, especially when they're being told that the lead times on their deliveries may be weeks longer than expected. So, they're paying up for tons of workers. There may be less demand heading into peak holiday season. So, all those things, I'm not super uh, favorable, I suppose, for FedEx's prospects over the short term.
16: Another week, another hot IPO. Details next, so stay right here. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against some buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. Chris Hill here with Jason Moser and Emily Flippin. On Thursday, Salesforce held its annual Investor Day presentation and raised its revenue guidance for 2022. And Wall Street liked the sound of that. Shares of Salesforce up nearly 10% this week and hitting a new all time high on Friday, Emily.
12: I'll tell you what, if someone told me that Salesforce was up 10% on raised guidance, I would have assumed that the jump we saw in guidance was much bigger than what we saw in reality. In fact, they did raise guidance in their most recent quarterly report, but they raised it again during their investor day. Previously, they were expecting 26.2 to $26.3 billion in terms of revenue. They raised that a whole 0.5% raising it to 26.25 to 26.35 billion dollars and i think if you're just looking at these numbers a lot of people will say wow that's that's ridiculous. 10% as a result of 0.5% increase in terms of guidance. But I don't think it was just because of this earnings guidance. I actually think it was a result of its investor day. They remind investors about the underlying economics and just these huge tailwinds that Salesforce is experiencing that are not expected to go away over the short term. One of the things that stood out to me was a slide that they had updated around six months ago for investors. Six months ago, it had Salesforce's total addressable market at $204 billion only six months later today, it is at $248 billion. So, the digital transformation that is happening, it's happening at a rate higher than many investors expect, and I think that's why we're seeing the growth.
16: Do you expect them, and I don't know, maybe they addressed this in the Investor Day presentation, did they talk at all about acquisitions? I mean, this Mark Benioff is someone who likes to buy other businesses.
12: Oh, of course they did. I think you can't have a Salesforce Investor Day where they don't show off their acquisition prowess. And that's definitely what we're seeing here as well. Uh, they they finalized their acquisition of Slack on August 1st. That adds a single product to their existing six businesses that are billion-dollar-plus yearly businesses. And unlike most companies that fuel growth through acquisitions, Salesforce, I I think has done a great job of ensuring they make good on their purchase price. So MuleSoft, Tableau, Exact ExactTarget, these are all acquisitions that at the time were called very expensive acquisitions by Salesforce that have actually been accretive for Salesforce shareholders. So with that, alongside all of their core products growing at double digit rates, I think Salesforce is definitely taking a little bit of a victory lap here.
16: On Wednesday, Toast went public at $40 a share. Toast is a software company that provides point-of-sale systems for restaurants, and the stock ended its first day up more than 50%. Jason, can I interest you in an unprofitable company that's now worth nearly $30 billion? Well, uh, maybe the jury will, the jury will have to have to have to reconvene
15: on that one. I think uh, this is an interesting business, but it's not one where I feel like you you pay any price for it. Um, Toast, Toast serves as the restaurant operating system. Ultimately, is the way they view uh, their business. They have a number of different revenue streams: uh, some hardware, a lot of software, and services. Uh, but but their their general goal is just to connect the restaurant across the entire uh, spectrum of operations: dine in, takeout, delivery. Uh, Addressing the fact that I think the retail, or the, the restaurant industry has evolved so much. There are more points of distribution. It's more omni-channel now, and I think more moving parts means it's more difficult to manage. So, a seamless, consistent operating experience absolutely has its merit, and there's something to the business because customers continue to sign up. As of June this year, they had 47,942 locations on their platform. That's up from 19,891 from just a couple of years ago. So, when you look at the market opportunity, uh, it is a large and growing one. I mean, restaurants in the United States spent an estimated $25 billion on technology in 2019. It was ultimately less than 3% of total sales. Uh, Toast Management sees that growing to $55 billion by 2024. Uh, So, even just a little bit of that market opportunity can certainly go a long way. But we need to really see if if this business has traction, if the tech is as good as they say it is, and that'll take a little bit of time.
16: Shares of Stitch Fix up nearly 20% this week after the online styling service reported a surprise profit in the fourth quarter. Emily, encouraging results, but I can't help but feel like Stitch Fix is going to be a stronger business when profits are no longer a surprise.
12: There's, needless to say, I think the question around Stitch Fix has been, how big can this business be and what can their margin profile look like? Stitch Fix has had periods where they have posted somewhat decent margins, I'll use that term loosely, 2 to 3% net income margins and 3 to 4% free cash flow margins, but that was in their best quarter. And their new CEO, Elizabeth Spalding, has really taken Stitch Fix's business and, completely new direction. And their founder, Katrina Lake, after she departed, um, Spalding came in and said, hey, I know that we're known for being a clothing delivery box service, but I want to change that. In fact, I want to launch something or rename something I should say known as Freestyle. It's their direct buy system that's being opened up to the public. It used to be that you couldn't buy things on Stitch Fix's website unless you were a customer and even then limited inventory. But Spalding has taken it and said, hey, we want shoppers to come directly to Stitch Fix without having to get fixes in the mail and be able to Make purchases, no longer limiting themselves to just being a retail box business, but being a key destination for what they call personalized styling and shopping. Uh, this is a big deviation, and I will say it puts them in the crosshairs of some really competitive online retailers that have decades of experience in this space.
16: We were talking before the show, though. I mean, it seems like Stitch Fix, I mean, they, there is still room for improvement, but it feels like It is at least a mature enough business that it's not going away. There was a point in time where you could look at Stitch Fix and say, I don't know if they're going to make it. Now I look at it and I think more in terms of like, okay, they're going to make it, but just how big can they get?
12: the way you put it before we started recording was that this business certainly has a floor. And I I completely agree with that. But you also mentioned this business probably has a ceiling. And I personally don't like to buy businesses that have a ceiling, even if there is a floor. And I agree. Stitch Fix has a floor in the terms that it's not going to go away permanently. But I do still wonder how they're going to compete in the world of online retail. I will say, I appreciate the fact that they are shifting focus away from stylists and onto algorithms. Not that the stylists were bad at their jobs by any means, Needs, but there was a deviation in terms of strategy. Stitch Fix didn't know what it was. Was the secret sauce the stylist or was the secret sauce the algorithms? Now we know they're going all in on the algorithms. And if those pay off, then maybe that ceiling is higher than what I imagine it to be.
16: Darden Restaurants is the parent company of Olive Garden, Longhorn Steakhouse, and other restaurant chains. Strong first quarter profits and increased guidance for the full fiscal year drove the stock to a new all-time high this week. Jason, we love to talk about Olive Garden, but Darden's fine dining division, led by the Capitol Grill, that deserves the MVP award for this quarter. (laughs)
15: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and, and really, I think you're hitting uh, on the beauty of the business is the the number of brands it has under that umbrella that covers uh, all sorts of different price points. And so that just results in another strong performance, sales up 51% uh, from a year ago for obvious reasons. But if you compare it to 2019, sales were still up 10%, which I find impressive. Uh, to me, it indicates the strategy that management has been employing over these past couple of years and taking share in markets where other restaurants, unfortunately, have had to shut down. Uh, it's Working right, I mean, it's giving them a greater footprint, and that plays into the the competitive advantage in this business and scale. Uh, a big theme of the call was inflation, stronger unit performance, coupled with some supply chain constraints, resulted in a lot more uh, spot purchasing. And that ultimately resulted in some higher-than-expected inflation. But management is being very sensitive as to how they approach prices. They're going to continue to price below inflation, and more importantly, or more notably, at least below their competition. Again, they see their scale, their data, and their analytics as an advantage that allows them to do this. And I like it. To me, it's just the quintessential long-term thinking that's playing out pretty well for them.
16: All right, Jason Moser, Emily Flippin. We will see you a little bit later in the show. Coming up after the break, CNBC's John Fort weighs in on the latest from Facebook, Amazon, and WeWork's upcoming debut in the public markets. Stay right here. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. And I said, what about Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. I'm Chris Hill. For more than 20 years, John Ford has covered Silicon Valley from startups to the biggest companies in the tech industry. He is the co-host of CNBC's Daily Show Tech Check, and he joins me now. John, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, there are a bunch of things I want to get to, but I want to start with Facebook. Um, the Wall Street Journal recently published a series of stories based on internal documents. At Facebook, and among the headlines, for those that didn't see it, that high profile users were being exempted from the rules, um, the toll that Instagram is taking on teenagers' mental health, and that Facebook executives were fully aware of the negative effects of its platform. And one of my reactions when I was reading these stories was I feel like I've seen this movie before. The movie where seemingly damaging information comes out about facebook's business and you know that for most of its public life as a company people have bet against facebook and they've largely lost so i guess my first question for you is when you look at these stories and these revelations how legitimately damaging do you think this is for facebook Damaging in the sense that
10: uh, it's more damaging than Cambridge Analytica or more damaging <laughs> the stuff that's
16: happened before, or like what are we, what are we talking about? I, damaging to the point that uh, it takes a material effect on the stock, that uh, activist investors start to raise hell, or that legitimate changes happen at the business as a result of this. I'm not so sure, Uh, because a lot of what is coming out about Facebook
10: and, you know, Instagram, even WhatsApp, you know, there were some stories not related to this in particular, but about um, the privacy within WhatsApp, perhaps not being as private uh, as many were led to believe. Um, So much of what's happening within Facebook is happening within society, right? These issues of body image uh, among teens and what do you do about that? Bullying, etc. It, it's a Facebook thing, certainly. It's also an internet thing. It's also a societal thing. Um, these issues of people in power or people with celebrity getting away with stuff that everybody else can't get away with. Well, yes, that happens on Facebook. That also seems to happen everywhere else. We hold Facebook more accountable because of its power, because of its wealth, because it's a controlled company where Mark Zuckerberg gets to call the shots. And it was sold to us by Mark Zuckerberg and others as, well, here you can be safe and here you can be around real people and here it's curated. And yet they seem to wrestle with the same problems that broader society does. And, And in many cases, they're more acute on Facebook's properties. Uh, Some of the journals reporting shows that some of their fixes, like when they tried to orient people toward interacting more with friends and family, ended up creating uh, an even bigger problem, which sort of reminds you like when you try to fix an ecosystem by getting rid of what you think uh, is an invasive species or something that shouldn't be there and you end up tipping the whole thing uh, into chaos. It's like we're dealing with a living thing here uh, in Facebook. And so um, is it a cautionary tale? Do things need to be done? Yes, but is Facebook going to get taken down as a result of it? I've got my doubts.
16: Are you surprised that you know just in this calendar year we've seen Tim Cook be pretty pointed in his comments about Facebook, and most recently Mark Benioff from Salesforce? I mean, the I think we're used to seeing um, CEOs go at one another a little bit more when they're in the same industry. The fact that the CEOs of Apple and Salesforce have gone out of their way to make these comments, uh, that's not the norm. It's not.
10: It's not. I mean, Apple uh, does have a fundamental, I think, philosophical difference uh, from Facebook. And that has to do with advertising and private information. They just have different approaches to how they think about technology and, and how it intersects with society. Benioff, I mean, yes, while Salesforce is an enterprise software company which seems to play very separately from what Facebook does, he also bought Time Magazine, which is in you know broad consumer communications. He was interested in buying Twitter. Remember, which is a more direct competitor of Facebook. So he he might think of himself and his efforts more broadly than we do when we think about uh, just Salesforce. But I mean, I do think his comment from years ago when he compared Facebook in particular to cigarettes um, rings a bit different now that we hear about this research, see it into the psychological effects. Um, the social effects on people uh, of, say, Instagram and how teens, they they want to use it less, but they don't want to go cold turkey, et cetera. And I think um, we're not a society that's used to creating laws, regulations necessarily around behavioral stuff as much as around mm-hmm medical stuff and physical stuff. So this is brand new territory at a time when there's a lot of disagreement around how much people's freedom to do (laughs) dumb things, right. should be limited. Um, you know, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If we can't agree on that stuff, how are we going to tell people to get off Instagram?
16: Let's move on to Amazon because, uh, when the new ceo andy jassy did his first broadcast television interview he did it with you um you sat down with jassy recently it's it's not the first time you've interviewed him i know you've talked with him a number of time over the years let me start with this what what is something amazon shareholders should know about the new ceo i think people should
10: know that he clearly has jeff bezos's Confidence, and I don't mean that in the sort of um, serve sort of at the pleasure of the president manner that it's it's often used. When I talk to CEOs, I very often ha- uh, note a pronounced difference between a founder and what a founder is willing to say and what a hired CEO is willing to say. Very often, founders will just say whatever the heck they want, uh, and because they know. That they're not gonna get either because it's a controlled company or because they've got, you know, the board is full of people who they put that, the board's not gonna get rid of them. They can say what they want, right? Uh, Elon Musk is a great example of that, right? He clearly doesn't care (laughs) what anybody thinks about what he says. Whereas a hired CEO, he's gonna be more circumspect and, you know, blah, blah, blah. What struck me about interviewing Andy Jassy, and I think I first talked to him back in. 2015 or 2016, I'm not sure what year it was. Back when his title was SVP over Amazon Web Services, he spoke with authority, not just about AWS, the cloud business, but about Amazon in general. And um, he wasn't looking over his shoulder metaphorically as he did it. I thought, well, that's interesting. And so he's a guy who served as effectively Bezos's chief of staff uh, for a couple of years during the time when he also. Uh, worked on what became Amazon Web Services. And the bond between the two seems so firm that uh, Jassy is confident in leading uh, the huge part of uh, Amazon that he led for a long time and and all of Amazon now uh, without having to do a double take. And so uh, that is significant for those who wonder, how much does he understand the organization? Is Amazon going to miss a step? Is Amazon going to continue to be bold? Of course, uh, Bezos is still around as executive chairman. It's not like he's left entirely. But I I think the the mind meld between these two guys is significant.
16: That's interesting because, and I'm glad you mentioned Bezos is still around, because I think for a lot of people who Look at businesses, look at the public markets. Uh, you don't have to go too far back in history to see examples of CEOs handing off the keys to the corner office, moving to the chairman role, and pretty soon, whether it's Bob Iger at Disney or Howard Schultz at Starbucks, they are back in the mix.
10: That's true. And I think it's also really difficult to uh, measure CEO performance. Um, and for example, One of the um, most cited recent examples of a not-so-great CEO uh, transition, or maybe even a not-so-great CEO tenure on Wall Street, is uh, Steve Ballmer of Microsoft. People say, oh, look look what Ballmer did, look at what the stock did during Ballmer. Well, also look at the convenient moment when Bill Gates handed over the reins to Steve Ballmer right before the market (laughs) <laughs> imploded <laughs> right uh, so that's a convenient time to to stop the clock on your own tenure and to start it on uh, someone else's and then gates didn't really leave he was chief software architect and chairman during many of those years so it's not like you know he he, he left and then came back years later and turned the lights on and the, you know the kids had trashed the place he was, was sitting in on those meetings where they designed the zoom so Come on. Um, also, you know, even though the stock didn't do much during that period, Satya Nadella was working there, building server and tools, and what became the cloud business. Microsoft built an enterprise business. Their revenue and profit went up significantly during the time. It's not as if today's Microsoft just emerged from nothing. So, I think judging CEO tenure is uh, tough, and um, you know, that's got to be in mind too when you look at these transitions. Don't just look at the stock price. Um, also look at some of the less tangibles and you know, look at the businesses that are being built and the research
16: that's being done. It was about this time two years ago that we all got to watch in real time the implosion of WeWork as it was preparing to go public. The IPO did not happen, but next month, WeWork is going public via SPAC. Is there reason for optimism that WeWork is going to have a happy life as a public company? Uh, I'm going to say there is. Do tell.
10: <laughs> the WeWork, a big part of the problem with WeWork uh, and the WeWork IPO in the beginning it was that it was overhyped and highly valued. And it was just, it was based on this optimistic scenario that people were going to keep working in a particular way, like in offices, you know, forever into the future. Right. Uh, also, there were some cultural issues. Certainly, Adam Newman, his leadership, etc. Can't overlook that. But That's a polite changed? way of putting that. I'm being polite today, right? Well, <laughs> look, look at what's changed. Newman got a big payout, but he's gone, right? You look at who's running this SPAC. That is uh, how we work. Is coming public. It's Vivek Ranadive, right? He's no um, crazy pot smoking uh, in a private jet. You know, tequila shot kind of guys. This is like, this is a, a name we know. Also, some of the companies backing this are commercial real estate names. I think, you know, the valuation ballpark was around $9 billion, which is way lower than was being talked about before. So, you know, this is a, a company, an idea that was being hyped along with Uber when Uber was being talked about as a 100 billion dollar market cap it's fallen short of that WeWork is being valued way less they have the opportunity now after having dealt with some of the debt issues and some of the um kind of reality checks to in a post pandemic world provide a service for you know flexible office space things like that that people actually need so you know th- there probably is a price at which we work makes sense. And I don't know what price that is, but the way it's going public now, it's going to be a lot closer to that price than it would have been a couple of years ago when they were initially talking about an IPO.
16: Last thing, and then I'll let you go. Uh, the big technology companies take up a lot of the oxygen for all of the obvious reasons, um, but you're someone who's been in this industry for more than 20 years. What is currently on your radar right now? Somewhere in the technology business spectrum that maybe isn't getting a lot of attention, but it's a part of the industry that you're interested in. You're curious about uh, both where it is and and where it's going over the next few years.
10: I think vertical integration in the cloud and data centers, and um, and just how these business models are playing out. So let me. That, that's a lot of buzzwords, so let me try to make some sense of that. Uh, the megascale, as I call them, cloud providers, the likes of Amazon, Microsoft, and Google Cloud, are architecting, in essence, these massive computers that they are allowing other people to use for you know, computing cycles as platforms, etc. They've got you know artificial intelligence applications and, and platforms and resources that they're letting other companies use. And part of what they're doing at the same time is saying, we don't want off-the-shelf servers. We don't want off-the-shelf server chips for running our clouds. Since we have this whole architected system that we're running, we want to be able to make tweaks based on what we want our system to do down to the way uh, server chips are designed right? Uh, you see uh, Amazon going out and doing stuff with ARM chips and servers for uh, a lot of their uh, data center work in AWS. Like that's part of that customization. And, and what I would say is a, a vertical uh, model that that's happening. That's interesting because it requires uh, semiconductor companies to do a whole different thing than they used to do. In the old days, Intel would say, you know, you can have any chip you want as long as it's x86 <laughs> on this list, right? Here's what you can have. Um, but now a lot of these customers are saying, well, that's nice that you have a list, but here's what I want a chip to do. So who's got the skills, who's got the capability in the semiconductor universe to be able to make those customizations and, uh, and to do that for large providers. So that's, Uh, one line of it. Another thing that's happening between these uh, cloud giants is as they try to grow from here uh, and catch up with AWS, and as AWS tries to stay in the lead, they're focusing in on industries and how do they serve specific industries, particularly with artificial intelligence, applications, and use cases. And to me, this is similar to what we've seen happen in other stages in enterprise technology, like when Oracle did a hostile takeover of PeopleSoft. That was a spe- industry-specific you know, HR uh, application, and Oracle saw early on, okay, we're going into a period of consolidation. Let's figure out how we can take the most important um, kind of either industry-specific or function-specific applications and own those and grow through that. That's starting to happen in the cloud right now. And I think we'll begin to see whether Google or Microsoft can do that in a way that's better or more effective than Amazon has. And if they catch up uh, to Amazon on the top line uh, when it comes to cloud, or if they can even, even if they can't catch up on the top line, if they can provide services and software that are so high value that they're more profitable, Right? then they could end up winning in different sorts of ways. So, there are these strategic dynamics playing out both on the hardware and semiconductor side and on the software and strategy and go-to-market side. And there are a lot, a lot of companies um, you know, in the mid-market and smaller who are going to be affected
16: by uh, how they position themselves. You want to know what's going on in the world of technology? Check out Tech Check on CNBC every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern. John Ford, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Chris. Radar stocks after the break, so stay right here. This is Motley Fool Money. back to Motley Fool Money. Chris Hill here once again with Emily Flippin and Jason Moser. We've got two minutes for Radar Stocks. Dan Boyd's going to hit you with a question. Emily, you're up first. What are you looking at?
12: I'm looking at Coupang. The ticker is CPNG. They're a Korean e-commerce giant that has been hammered since going public as a result of their increasing bottom-line losses. But I'm convinced investors are looking at the wrong metric. I think there's early signs of free cash flow scalability in Coupang's business model that's being undervalued right now.
0: Dan, question about Coupang? Emily, how much is your stance on Coupang just contrarianism?
12: (laughs) Is it really contrary? I didn't even realize that. Although I am a contrarian at heart, so I'll happily take that stance if that's what it is.
15: Jason Moser, what are you looking at? Yeah, digging more into Compass, ticker COMP. This is a founder-led business in the real estate technology space, providing the tools to help agents do their jobs better. Co-founder and CEO Robert Refkin owns about 6% of the company. Still a big stake uh, held by SoftBank as well, but management sees an addressable market in the U.S. of $180 billion. And this thing has more than doubled revenue from 2019 to $5.5 billion in sales over the last 12 months. Feels like one worth keeping an eye on.
0: Dan, question about Compass? Yeah, certainly. Real estate's very hot right now, Jason. If it starts to cool off, is this going to affect Compass's bottom line? Typically,
15: I think they're going to be pretty immune to this because real estate's fairly strong, and those are tools that they're going to need in
16: uh, in the ebbs and flows of the real estate market. What do you want to add to your watch list, Dan?
0: I got to say, I'm curious, Chris. I'm going to go with Coupang. Woo.
16: <laughs> the contrarianism didn't throw you off. <laughs> Not this time. All right, Emily Flippen, Jason Moser, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Chris. That's going to do it for this week's show. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. Our producer is Matt Creer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
14: Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes.
15: Pop Tower Podcast with your host, the man behind the myth, Peter Dawson, and the soulful lord, James
17: Bullock. It's episode one eleven of the Pop Tower Podcast. I'm Peter W. Dawson. And I'm James, you dirty dog, you bullock. Yeah, you dirty dog. Getting out there, going to demon school. Uh, just kind of feeling the wave of the universe, listening to hipster bands. I know. <laughs> I did. I, I had a reference for the second one, but I couldn't remember the name when it mattered. Uh, we'll get to that. Anyway, <laughs> so we're we're going to talk about three things today, uh, and man, they're actually pretty relevant. Yeah. Um, like probably the biggest one is going to be we're going to talk about Life is Strange, True Colors. Yes. but We are also going to talk about Rick and Morty season five as well as uh, Welcome to Demon School, Imra yeah, season, season 2. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, this is, this is probably the most i felt like doing an episode in, like, two, three, two or three episodes now. Oh,
11: no, this is one of those episodes I was thinking about it right before we got on. Um,
17: I'm so excited about this one because I'm so positive about almost everything. <laughs> yeah, like, there's... We'll get into it. Um, So, let's start with Life is Strange. Yeah. We've talked a bit about these games before. The original Life is Strange came out in 2015... And was kind of launched as the Square Enix kind of attempt to counteract, um, what, what you might call it, the Telltale games? Yeah, I was about to say, like, right
11: after the big boost of popularity from the Walking Dead Telltale game, uh, yeah, a lot of people started, like, okay, we can do point-and-click adventures, too, and hopefully they would be successful in episodic nature. Yeah.
17: They technically called them Graphic Adventure, but I mean, well,
11: yeah,
17: you know, terminology being what it is. I just wanted to make sure we had the official term in there. <laughs> And so the theme of the series has been um, young people at a pivotal point in their life, you know, sometimes they're in high school, sometimes they're, like, young adults, like, uh, the protagonist in this one, I think it's supposed to be 18, 19? No, 21. 21, really? Yeah. That's actually older than I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the whole, th- they, they go through a pivotal point in their life and they end up discovering they have, or in some cases, someone close to them has a supernatural ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that was the whole thing in the original was you could manipulate time. Right. Which then comes to a big head. And then, uh, two, it was the brother had telekinesis. Yeah, he had telekinesis, right? the younger brother. Yeah, the younger one. Yeah, that's the big thing. And then this yeah, cause one... Yeah, because that was, like, the it's...
11: only one where we actually couldn't play with the person with powers.
17: Yeah, which was fair enough, because that might have been complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giving characters telekinesis is tricky. Although, Anna's quest managed it without too much difficulty, I'm just saying yeah <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so Life is Strange True Colors it's, depending on who you ask uh, the third or fourth game because Before the Storm is a full game right well it's, uh, it's
11: a three part episode so like yeah. I, said, I mean you could easily say that it's a, it's a full game
17: yeah like like it's, it's I've seen it classified as a full game more than once but then of course the third one ended up being Life is Strange 2 no fun colon mm-hmm. naming thing <clears throat> and now we're, of course, at the part of the franchise where companies are afraid of saying three, so they say, life is strange, colon, true colors. <laughs> Never underestimate a video game's company's hesitation. No, I hate this so much. Just commit one way or the other. Uh, but that's one of the, I would have been nitpicking a lot through this, I'm just going to say, by the way, because, um, okay. but, uh, well, I, I, I commented on this, I think in our Facebook chat, or, no, I tweeted about it, right. Uh, so one thing. This is one of the games that goes for the kind of the more photorealistic characters. Like they probably did a lot of motion capture. That was the impression yeah. I got. Yeah, I'm saying this without even researching. I noticed this starting with Until Dawn, which was all, what 2015 as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it was very noticeable in that. Yeah, and it's still very noticeable in this. Um, teeth are a constant <laughs> problem with this method. <laughs>
11: Yeah, and, and when it came to Until Dawn, I kind of gave it a pass because um, some of the exaggerated facial animations, like you said, just the way the teeth come out and kind of like almost like an ad, like a horse. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the way the movement. I was like, I kind of gave Until Dawn a pass with that because that was really a PlayStation 3 game that they bumped
17: to the PlayStation 4. And then it was like Man of Medan happened, and Madan
11: happened, it was the same thing. <laughs>
17: Yeah, no, and, I mean this was a problem in uh, hidden agenda too. Yeah, and and now and now I'm seeing it in this one too. Yes, like to give some people some idea of what I'm talking about, if you don't, if you haven't noticed this, what happens is like the upper teeth tends to be really defined. Mm-hmm. As a result, you almost never see the lower. Now, I mean, it's true that the the upper teeth are in front of the lower teeth, so you're more likely to see the upper teeth. Yeah, That's most people have bites, Yeah. But it makes it everybody look like they have like giant buck teeth.
11: Yeah, no, if you've ever, uh, for anybody that's thinking about this, if you've ever seen that episode of Family Guy when uh, Brian had to get his his teeth replaced, like it's always that idea of like, that's why your teeth are supposed to be out on the top half.
17: Yeah, like it's a li- it gets a little awkward when, when you see people smile with teeth too, because mm-hmm. it's like, it just kind of makes them look like they're going, kind of like um, the freaking cockroach guy from uh, Men in Black. <laughs> It's it's it didn't ultimately ruin my enjoyment of the series. but I keep seeing this and I'm like, man, somebody's got to fix this at some point because this is like the tenth game I've seen this happen. Uh. Anyway, so I don't think we actually talked about what the premise of this. No. One is, so it follows... And the
11: sad part about this, this is one of those instances we talk about it in movies all the time. Um, the trailer really hurting the big reveal. Like, oh, like yeah. I, I don't really watch trailers that much anymore cuz of things just like this. They ruined the big hook at the
17: end of the first chapter with the trailer. Yeah. I mean, I kind of figured that like that was the thing. I was like it I was playing the damn waiting game and I'm like, "Wait, is this not going to happen now?" Right. And like, "Oh, there it is." And um yeah, so the whole thing is uh the protagonist Alex Chen mm-hmm. uh, is reunited with her older brother mm-hmm. um Wow, I can't even think of his name now. Gabe, Gabe. Gabe, thank you. Who's played
11: by Han Soto uh, of all people? Like I, that's what made it so great.
17: After uh eight years being apart. Um and then duh, 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 where was I?
11: Oh they reunite <clears throat> in, is it ter- yeah, ter- in this quiet Colorado town of Haven Springs.
17: Which they just keep calling Haven.
11: Yeah, yeah. Which the it, funny thing bothered, about though. it, like when I was uh talking about it. And my first impressions for it, which is go up Friday, um, I kept I said Spring Haven because I was just so used to saying Haven. I'm just automatically in my mind thinking, okay, Haven of course is the last name of the town. I completely yeah. forgot those Haven Springs.
17: Yeah, I mean no one's gonna just call their town Springs. <laughs> But yeah, uh, what I was getting at is it's called True Colors because she has an empathy power mm-hmm. based on auras. So you know, emotional color spectrum type thing. You know, obviously red is rage. Right. um You know, blue is kind of like anxiety. Yellow is fear, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Was purple sad or was blue sad? Uh, I think purple was. I don't know purple was scared because that's what. Oh um, yeah,
11: you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Purple was scared. So blue was sad. Okay.
17: Yeah that's what it is yeah yeah they, they have a good because one of the one of the things I do like about this game is how they handle the menu system because there's a journal Alex keeps about mm-hmm. the emotions which helps you get more lore there there's a social media thing that yep. helps with the messaging which is cool to look at um, but doesn't really you know it's yeah, yeah, nice yeah,
11: because, little um, I, I think they had the same thing with the phone Um, on the first one yeah I know they had it with uh before the storm as well but it was like you can reply a lot more though and that one that you couldn't know so this is just like oh you can yeah. scroll and see conversations
17: yeah this is more just kind of looking back on conversations yeah. which is probably better because it like, keeps it from being too obtrusive mm-hmm. I mean it you know it's one of those things it's cool to have I, I'm i glad it's there but I am kind of glad it's not really a reply thing as much
11: right yeah yeah
17: because uh, then it focuses more on the actual core gameplay and that's still pretty good I gotta yeah. say um and the emotional aspect, you know, being able to flash the auras and everything, um, that's pretty good. Yeah.
11: Um, I actually popped in Before the Storm yesterday just to see, if, just just for, to play around for review purposes. And, man, they have greatly improved the animations. They have greatly improved the, the just the interactivity in terms of, like, walking up to people and interacting with people. Like, the animations in general have been greatly improved between Before the Storm and this one. And I, I I did not realize that it needed that much work, but I'm glad that they put some time and effort in it to make it feel a lot more smooth and seamless.
17: Mhm. Like yeah, the the game in general flows pretty well. Yeah. Oh yeah. It does kind of run into that other engine problem where they're trying to make realistic characters, but some parts don't look super realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the hair just still doesn't look. No, good. not
11: at all. Like in some of the clothing and like just the general like okay, we have a town, but a lot of it looks flat
17: yeah I mean that's gonna which is really awkward because you're in Colorado exactly yeah uh, you know, I thought they did a good job designing the town though oh, yeah, it no, no. and it's like, okay, it's a town where there's like no cars because they really designed for cars, but there's you can clearly see spots where parking would be yeah. like because I always hate when it's like, where would a car go? this place is supposed to be accessed by cars and then like but then you can, you do see it's like, oh there it is uh that could be a real problem. Anyway, we've been talking about the town a lot. So the actual... But of course, we don't want to spoil the plot too much. I know. But do we, do we need to give away the thing that was already given away well, in the Well, I would give
11: that part away. Because, like, that's the, the crux of the story. And they had no problem in being shameless about it and telling us what happens.
17: Yeah, it's... Um, the big twist is... Uh, Gabe gets killed at the end of the first uh, chapter. Yeah.
11: Well, I, I, and... I will say this. That isn't the biggest twist of the story. I'll give them that much.
17: No, it's the one that makes the most sense, though. Yes, yes. Be- because I got I got to call him out on this, um, although, first of all, joking aside here, uh, Alex Chen, you know she's likable because she played rock band on Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I had to tell that joke to James before I explained it. <laughs> So the joke is uh, there's a scene where Alex discovers that uh, Gabe got her a guitar Mm -hmm. and then she pulls it out and and what does she play? Creep by Radiohead which for those who aren't aware is one of the main easy songs in Rock Band (laughs) and so she plays the whole song also just gonna call out the subtitles for not even bothering to transcribe the song what's the point? no no it's just Alex singing I know what and it's a long sequence. You should no, at least give really, her the...
11: Yeah. <laughs> and the same thing happens later on. There's a little uh, concert uh, a scenario. And she sings again. It's the same thing Alex sings.
17: Yeah, I know. I hate that. Oh, man. And, of course, the air guitar thing is oh, awkward man. as well. But that's a, that's a different kind of awkward. Yeah, no, no.
11: I, that, that, you know how many times I've been... because I
17: I watched your um, let's play of it, and I was I noticed that you muted the King of the Leon. I'm like, that makes sense. I'm like, I wonder how many other streams I can find where they where they don't mute it. I didn't find any where they don't.
11: Well, here's the thing, like that's one of those ones. Copyright strike hits you fast. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And um yeah, I don't have the I didn't have the uh, streamer, um because you can actually uh, put the the option to turn off all the songs. And I didn't want to do that because like for example, like you would not hear creep at all. Like if you turn the streamer option on, you will, they mute that completely. So like that's, that's not even, Yeah, that's not even an actual song play, it's just her reciting the song, but they will mute that. And um <laughs> I didn't want that to happen. But yeah, when I first saw it, I was like, Yeah, I'm muting it.
17: <laughs> yep. I do appreciate that they didn't just have a bunch of hipster bands that may or may not be real
11: Exactly, yeah.
17: <laughs> I mean one of the first scenes with Steph is just like, Oh man. Uh so the other yeah, the other characters in town in general, are pretty well fleshed out. There's a couple of exceptions. Yeah, um, um
11: the majority of the ones we get a chance to spend time with, they all have that moment where you get to understand them a lot better than you expect them to. Um, like I just love the fact that some of them are alluded to being a lot different than what they come across as. Like Ducky, Ducky's a yeah. drunk. Like, he kind of he comes across as like such sort a of general, like just good-natured, kind of well-spoken individuals. I like, come to find out, Ducky's a drunk.
17: He's a very charming drunk. Yes. <laughs> Officer Pike is, of course, the terrible person. Yes, yeah. Oh, man. First interaction with him. Oh. <laughs> like, At don't... least he feels remorse, because good lord, is that a bad I mean, prank? He's like a
11: goofball the whole time, but it's like, okay, yeah, I get you. But, man, <laughs> what a terrible first impression. He's the type
17: of guy who probably punched you in the balls when he was a teenager. Yes! He thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. and check. And it's like just for no reason. Like, he thinks because it's funny. Yeah, he's he's absolutely one of those guys. Yeah. at least he felt remorse. No, uh, no,
11: he definitely did. No, and, and, and during like inter- any, any interaction with him and Alex, especially some of the serious serious ones later on in the story, like, I do sympathize with his position, and that's one thing I got to give them credit for. Pretty much every character, I can understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm.
17: Yeah, there's a couple. Of, I have a couple of exceptions to that. <laughs> one in particular. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to him in a okay. moment, but, uh, uh, I will also point out, you know, cause it's kinda neat, uh, there's two love interests for Alex, mm-hmm. there is Ryan, Gabe's dorky best friend, yeah. who just loves birds, apparently. He, he's, he's, I, a,
11: he's an outdoorsman if there ever was one.
17: Oh my, is he ever, uh, slightly too much, but I mean, you know, he knows it's, he knows it's, <laughs> right, he knows you, it's weird. you
11: know, when you think that a flannel shirt is the creme de la creme of fashion, you know you've been, yeah. out di- you've been outside a little too
17: much. Yeah, no. He He's definitely, he's still interesting, but he is also kind of, like, the bland, interesting guy.
11: I know, and that's the sad part, because, um, like, it, when I first, when they first got like, introduced him, you could tell, like, oh, they're trying to ease into him being the
17: romantic option, I was like, yep. man, but he's so bland, I just can't stand it. Yeah, he had some good stuff later on, Yeah, like, I mean, one of his early defining moments is he clearly is, like, immediately kind of, like, ooh, she's hot. Yeah! <laughs> And and then and then to top it off, it's like ooh, I can get pretty much any woman I want. Yeah, and let's let's also just kind of ignore the fact that uh, he's attracted to his best friend's sister, who is not unlike him. <laughs> That's a little weird. Yeah. but whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not kink shaming. I'm just saying. Okay, are you sure you don't have any end result issues? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Steph is, of course, the wacky hipster. You know, like she was in uh, before the storm. Wasn't yes, she, she was. Yes. Yeah, I don't recall her much from that. No, but I that was don't the thing. Her.
11: Like they were like, say, "Oh, steps back from before the storm." I'm like, "Yeah, I remember her. She was playing like their version of Dungeons and Dragons." but That's all I can remember about her.
17: Hmm. Which, yeah, kind of leads. So she's the uh, female love interest, yeah. and uh, she's pretty well. She's pretty well defined. Yeah, no, um, she's
11: good. Uh, I, I. It's one of those things with her, like. I immediately was like, okay, we're going to possibly have her as a love interest. Like, I'm thinking about this. But then they kind of did the story and the presentation of their relationship more as a buddy-buddy relationship more than they did with her and Ryan.
17: Yeah, and, like, it just kind of naturally evolved from there, which I thought was really well done. Yeah. Like, that's a better done relationship, in my opinion. Uh, It's not just the fact that, you know, I'm like, "Mm, do I want to see two lesbians? (laughs) 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 Alright, calm down. (laughs) Uh, Although... You also brought up something else that we should probably bring up about this game before we wrap up. huh The LARP? Ooh, boy. I still don't know how I feel about this. I cause... loved it!
11: I wanted I... more of this!
17: This is the thing. It's such... So, for those who aren't familiar, live-action role-play, LARP, you know, so you're kind of like... So in the middle of this game, that's already, you know, an adventure game, and there's a murder mystery of sorts yes! going on you you just kind of stop the plot to spend a very long period of time uh, 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 pretty much a whole chapter yeah that is a good chunk of chapter 3 um get helping a kid to get over well not get over um just kind of emotionally come to terms yeah. with what happened uh and you do it through a larp <laughs> and the game just kind of changes as a result yes and it's it's a bit awkward.
11: <laughs> the thing that got me was like the first encounter that you have, which is Ryan in a wolf costume and a wolf mask. Not even a costume, just a mask. And then the screen, the camera pulls back and you
17: realize you're having a turn based battle. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh man, we're actually doing this. <laughs> it was an interesting experiment. No, it really like was. I, I think the length and everything kind of bothered me a bit is what, what comes down to like it, I don't know it almost felt dis- it almost felt distracting from what the whole thing that's going on <sighs> I, was fine is with, a... I was fine with
11: why it happened like you said I will definitely yeah. agree with you on the limp because uh, it was the part where you pretty much go back and re- and meet Stephanie you try to have to, you had to find these or I mean, not orbs but uh, uh, I guess it was just jewels I forgot what they called them yeah, I think they were I think we were just called gems okay gems okay yeah and it was resistance. like, oh, man, I, once it got to the point where you had to find three, it was like the first time I was like, okay, that's fine. The second one, you have to kind of backtrack. And I get it. It's supposed to be a role-playing scenario. I get that. But it was just felt like it was a little bit too long-winded in that part of the journey. Like if they kind of cut out some of that. and Or just not even had that at all, just be them enjoying themselves. And um, like the whole journey
17: is to find just one gem.
11: I think it would have been perfectly fine.
17: Yeah. I don't know. It's it's charming. Yeah. So I gotta call out two things. Okay. One, you said the characters are pretty well-rounded. I have to disagree with one of them. Which one? <clears throat> Mac is the worst.
11: Oh, no, no. I, I knew when you said it was one person that you didn't care for, I knew exactly
17: who you are talking about. It was Mac.
11: And I'm perfectly fine he... with that because he sucked.
17: He is a inc- like... Even this, the attempts to make him sympathetic really fall flat for yeah, me. Yeah, no,
11: no. Like they actually give him a reason to act the way he does at, after chapter two. Yeah, but he's during chapter
17: one, he's a piece of crap. And it's like, and the reason they give him is not good. No, no. <laughs> it's 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 still really terrible. He's a really terrible character. And the thing about <laughs> he... it was when it came to the introduction of his character. It was one of
11: those things where, okay, and I'll spoil this. I have no problem spoiling this. Um he believes that his that Gabe is cheating with his girlfriend, who we meet re- really early in the story. Yeah, Riley. Yeah, Riley, yeah. The problem with Riley's them, a solid character. Solid character, yeah, and her mother and her, her pretty much her adopted mother, yes. Very I love them as a pair. I wish we could have more time with them. Mm, you know, they're great. Um, he believes that she and Gabe are hooking up. He literally has the evidence of this not happening. Yep. He has the evidence as to why they're meeting up, and he still confronts Gabe about it and try to fight him.
17: And then he calls Alex psycho for hitting <laughs> <The> him.
11: First... <laughs> hey, can you lie about it? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm perfectly fine with you saying that. Like, no, no, he he was a piece of crap, and I'm. I was glad that by the end of chapter two we didn't see him anymore.
17: Yeah, no, he's. And I gotta call out uh, the the main plot of this is honestly kind of dumb. Um. I... Let, like, let, let me. Okay, yeah. Explain yourself. I am gonna. I'm going I'm going I'm gonna outline it as best I can without spoilers. Thank you. A major crux of what's going on doesn't really make sense because Alex's powers were almost explicitly. Call it out, and their attempts to kind of hand wave that don't really work for me.
11: I'm okay with it. Like, I, and when it comes to these kind of, especially Life is Strange games, I'm kind of desensitized when it comes to the use of powers in that regard. Yeah. I think my biggest issue with the plot was the idea of Big Brother. And I Mm. got that part. I got it. I got what they were trying to go for. But it just seemed like. It was this overarching narrative of a Big Brother conspiracy that wasn't really necessary considering, like, the big reveal. Yeah. That had nothing to do with that. That also bothered me. You're not wrong. Like, that was a big enough reveal and a big enough part of the story. They could have just had that part alone. And that would have been a good enough story for
17: me. Hmm. Yeah, I just... uh, Didn't really like it. I mean, it's still probably a more satisfying climax than uh, the original. Because the, the original really bothered me that they were just kind of like, supernatural stuff is happening.
11: That, that last chapter really hurt the original for me. Yeah. Yeah, that last chapter. Like, they had really it... went from, okay, crazy supernatural story to really rooted, dark, disturbing story, back to crazy supernatural
17: story. That was really frustrating. Yeah, and then and Life Strange too is like yeah, the ending's fine. It's I don't know. Yeah, Life it was Strange other too stuff was like okay, up to we it kind different. of fixed that
11: problem, but now we're yeah. going into a heavy-handed speech about xenophobia.
17: Yeah, that's and that's not great. Yeah, and that, this that one was, it was just, like that was a little bit too much at the time. And this one, it's like when the whole thing is revealed, like what happens. I'm like, okay, I can kind of get behind this, but like, I I don't know. It didn't feel like it blended as well as everything else did because there was like. You know they were trying to capture the idea of emotions and everything, and and, and just... one
11: of the biggest things that I I definitely I will once again spoil something when it comes to the end, the last chapter. They actually kind of allude to something about Alex's quote unquote powers that to me like really made it interesting in the sense of is this real or not when it comes to her. Yeah, and then they were like, no, she really does have powers.
17: Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of weird.
11: Yeah, no, no. They actually had a nice little bit where I'm like, "Oh, that's really interesting. Like, this may not be as true to us as what we're thinking is going on." And it's no, 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 no. You're wrong. It's very much true. But um, yeah. like you said, for me personally, I, I still really enjoyed it. I, the, as an experience, I still walked away satisfied from what I, I experienced. Especially compared to Life is Strange, 2 Like and that was one of those ones where I was just happy to be done with it. Uh, one, fifth chapter, the last chapter, the last episode, man, that was a rough one. And not for any good reason. This one, I was perfectly fine with the majority. Like you say, there's a lot of flaws here and there, especially with the story presentation, some of the decisions. Mac, it's just existing. But I am, this is one of the ones where I'm walking away from. I'm like, okay, I'm excited to see what the next
17: one brings, if there is a next one. Yeah. And I mean I am I am probably going to replay it at some point.
11: Yeah, same here like, I just I know they say there's uh six endings and I kind of want to see what the rest
17: of them are. Yeah, cuz there's a montage and it does change. Yeah,
11: yeah it does. Yeah, uh, I, I got t- I watched two of them because you yeah. could just easily do the last choice um and you know see two different endings. But I kind of do want to replay just to, to make a couple of decision choices that I did in the first time just to see what would happen.
17: Yeah. Uh, and um I will also say, though, the one of the big twists in the final chapter when you're exploring and you find the thing. Oh, yeah. That's kind of dumb. Yeah,
11: no, no, no. I, I, I give them, they, they alluded to it. I give them that part. But,
17: they did allude to it, but I still don't but like it. It was
11: <laughs> such a passive allude. <laughs> it was so passive. I, it's, it happened it's... so far early into the story that you would have never
17: thought about it when it happened. It's like uh, Quantum of Solace, where they're like, hydrogen fuel cells are extremely unstable, and then everything explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and it will not stop exploding. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's overall, it's a good game. Yeah. I do recommend it. Uh, apparently it's got some flak for it featuring a Taiwanese flag, which I didn't even notice. I was looking for it. Same here. Now, the thing that I've seen a lot
11: of flack for, and this is something that uh, I can speak on myself personally, is, um, yeah, this game can be buggy. I was playing on the mm. I, I was playing the PlayStation 4 version on the PlayStation 5, and I didn't really have any problems. Like a lot of other people say they had the T poses and like uh, some other stuff happened. The biggest thing that happened to me, which was like really crazy, during the end credits, the game hard crashed. The trophies popped, but they wouldn't go onto my uh, PSN. They wouldn't go onto Ooh. my list, so I had to replay yeah. the the fifth chapter from the last checkpoint, and then for some reason it like fixed it. And did you ever That's get the brilliant. world stats to work for you?
17: <laughs> no, I never got the world yeah, same stats to work for me. Yeah, I'm going off Steam. Yeah,
11: Oh, yeah. yeah I I, I, so there you go. So two different uh, plays on two different
17: systems, and neither, neither one of us will get the world stats. The world well. stats have been apparently a really big problem. Yeah, I don't care yeah. about those too much, but that is a fair thing to call out. Um. Yeah, I think we can move on, All though. Right. Like it's, it's a pretty solid game. Yeah, no, no, I, check I'm, it out I'm, if... I was...
11: Pleasantly surprised and happy that it was as good as it was, but like I said, there's still definitely some some of those flaws when it comes to Life is Strange writing that popped up again.
17: Yeah, I would say it's still less flawed than some of the other ones, though. Oh,
11: but still, I'm I'm right there with like, okay, I will make an argument. This is my favorite one, though. I still say that just because of Alex. I, I, Alex was a great character.
17: I still think I prefer one the most but I do think this one had a better ending than one yeah, and yeah. I will absolutely say Alex is possibly a better overall protagonist than Max very much so yeah uh but I still quite liked uh just I don't know something about the way they handle one I still thought that stood out really well to me yeah um anyway let's talk about Rick and Morty season five <laughs> speaking of handling yeah this is gonna be a tricky one to talk about <laughs> uh Cause yeah, it's Return of Rick and Morty it was ten episodes. Uh, it ended up um, being a small gap in between, but it ended up going from June twentieth to September fifth. Yeah, right. There was like a one or two week gap, wasn't there?
11: Yeah, yeah. From the uh, between the eighth episode and the ninth episode.
17: That's the one. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so we we got ten episodes, and overall, I don't know. This season feels like one of the weaker ones. Oh yeah, I've been but, seeing... but it might just be nostalgia talking.
11: No, 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 no. I'm hearing a lot of... uh, I saw a lot of it too. I was looking at reviews like this was the weakest season. And I have to say that I am kind of on board with that because if any argument can be made that there was a weakest season, I would probably go with the first one just because of everything just being set up until this season happened. And you look at this one, this felt like a holdover season.
17: Yeah. It's a little weird. Um... So the first step let's just go through episode by episode here and I'm going to try to read the title even more. Okay. them it's, it's going this, to get so bad by the end this gimmick has really run its course for <laughs> no. me my god i was i was complaining about this in season 4 yes uh mort dinner rick andre yeah uh so <laughs> mr Morty nimbus ends up asking sorry mr nimbus I gotta say, I didn't really care for Mr. Nimbus. I love Mr. Nimbus. I thought not, he was kind of boring for... Not, I mean... Not as a character. does flat out today, though, my hitherto unmentioned nemesis? Yes!
11: It wasn't, Which is a it, pretty great
17: line. No, it it wasn't even like, I care for the character. It was just the absurdity of this nemesis that just shows up out of nowhere. Well, yeah, because he, he he's the king of the ocean. Yes! Um... Is it he just like mind controls the cops? Is that the thing? Yeah, he can mind control, he controls the cops, he can mind control cops, which I don't understand how that's possible, but he can. And he's gonna, or no, does he have a pocket dimension, or was it that Rick's pocket dimension? Uh, I believe that was Rick's. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember because I couldn't remember if he, Jessica ends up in a pocket dimension is the big
11: thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, it's Rick's. Yeah, it is Rick's, yeah.
17: Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he puts he made, her in there because so he so needs Morty's so get, help, and Morty's wine. got a date. Yeah. With... yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's a whole thing. I forgot
11: about freaking Jessica becoming the Time Lord.
17: <laughs> yeah, that's the big thing. Is like she ends up kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> she is imprisoned for eons by the <laughs> alien society. <laughs> that's a great line, because uh, of course I got Wikipedia open. Yeah. Uh, just just kind of remind me what happened. Yeah. I mean, same again, like, episodes... I have
11: not watched this episode since uh, probably the week that it aired. And um, yep. yeah, like I said, just the 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 general uh, idea of Mr. Nimbus, this unforeseen, unknowing nemesis of Rick, just suddenly shows up, and he's very sexual.
17: Oh, he's very sexual. <laughs> that's uh, I, honestly that's one of the things I didn't really like about him. <laughs> I didn't find the sexual th- uh, that one wasn't great.
11: No, no, everything to me, like everything about the sexual nature of his character, was ridiculous outside of when he saves Rick. Like, that was the only thing. Like, he can he just him doing hip thrust is the way he controls water and animals to attack people, it was just absurd. Yeah.
17: And police. And <laughs> <Yeah>, police! <laughs> I mean, you know, that was like... It, it very much feels like that was a flat-out reference to Hoseidon. He's like, he's the lord of the ocean. And horses. Yeah! <laughs> That's a real thing from mythology, by the way. Uh, he created the horse, but he still lost a contest to Athena because she created the olive plant. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying olives aren't useful, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> Horses. Yeah,
11: <sighs> but, uh, and this was one of those episodes, and this is where I will um, start kind of ragging on this season, where we see things that they are kind of establishing that you think are actually going to mean something throughout the season, and it means
17: absolutely nothing. Yeah, doesn't Nimbus not appear again this entire season? Mr. Nimbus doesn't appear
11: again, and one of the biggest things that I was looking forward to this season when we see how they were interacting with each other, was Beth and Jerry's relationship. Yeah, Like, that was a big crux of this episode, and it meant nothing after this.
17: Yeah, which is crazy, because some of the other stuff that happens later on actually does matter. Yes! I mean, I don't think episode two, uh, Mortiplicity, really comes into it later. Although I actually quite liked this one. It was it was a familiar theme, uh, Mortiplicity, because it's basically a comical parade of fake Smiths getting murdered by squid aliens. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, there's like cause they're all like diversionary decoys mm-hmm. because of stuff Rick did, but it soon becomes oh god, where are the real ones? Yeah. <laughs> you know, much like. Anything like the cloning thing, where it's like I lost control of where the real one is, yeah, you know that type yeah. of thing. It's one of the like it's a familiar plot, but I thought this one was really well done. it no, was
11: really done very well. Like I, I got to give the writers credit for being
17: able to keep up as once
11: well as they did with this.
17: I know this is one I can't really describe, but like if I just kind of tell you, okay, Rick screws up making decoys. Now they're not sure where the real decoys yes, are,
11: <laughs> and we don't know who for sure is the real decoy.
17: Yeah, and of course the payoff at the end is pretty good. Uh, it, and remember, it's got one of the darkest um, post-credit yes. scenes, <laughs> and I actually like that one. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna give that one away. No, though. no, that was one of the best ones of the whole season. Yeah, but I'm gonna say Morty is probably a stronger one, even though it has like no work Because I mean, you know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely arcs. one of
11: the strongest standalone episodes of the season.
17: Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, and uh, Rick, convenient Mort. And God. here's the point where
11: the season hit a high point for me that it took a long time to ever recover from.
17: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pla- the Morty and Planetina relationship, and like everything that goes on, especially the scene later on where Morty talks to Beth at the end. Yes, that is actually genuinely good. That
11: this was the for me, this was the best episode of the season it's, it's got to be
17: up there yeah it's um I don't particularly care for the post credit scene yeah <laughs> I, I mean I get what they're going for I'm just because of course these are all summed up in the Wikipedia too so I immediately look at that I'm like oh god that one right yeah yeah but honestly even um uh the whole thing with uh Daphne and Rick too yeah and <laughs> Summer's insight into all that that was actually really good too yes video. it was like, but no, just in general... God, I don't even know how to describe this, because it's like, there's a very real pain to Morty throughout this whole thing when he realizes Planetina's. Is... Because, I mean, of course, oh, it's a Captain Planet-style ty- ty- hero. Hey, it's freaking Morty. What is gonna happen? You see the twist coming yes. a mile away. <laughs> you know it's exactly where this is going. he freeze her from her... <laughs>
11: her quote-unquote captain, which is hilarious considering, like, the actual premise of Captain Planet. And you see, like, the aggression r- ramping up. Like, you know exactly what's gonna happen.
17: Yep, yep. And I mean, um, yeah, like, it's... Planetina is still interesting, because also very well performed by Allison Brie. I oh, mean, very she's much so. Great... Oh, yeah. She... And, She's but, had a lot of good voice experience by now, so.
11: And, and once again, like this is the episode. This is another episode. Once again, where um, I I see something being planted, and I, I'm assuming like not necessarily growing in this season as we would naturally see, but definitely something down the line is the fact that Beth really treats uh Morty in this instance as someone who she needs to coddle and kind of pull mm-hmm. back in, even when she doesn't really need to. And it's almost very similar to what Rick's done to her and everyone else is where I'm right, you're wrong. That's the power dynamic in this family.
17: Yeah. Oh, God, I just read read who the writer was for the fourth episode. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but... um... So, episode four, Rick Dependence Spray. Uh, And then we hit the wall. Yeah. Oh, I hated this episode. Like, I like the writer in general But I don't like the, This is exactly the type of thing he would do If yeah. he was given free reign And he's definitely a guy I think would I don't know if I want to call him out now Because I've kind of called him out a bit right. Just look him up I still think he has value as a performer And as a writer But I, when I saw he was the way we wrote this I'm like that mm-hmm. makes sense And I'm like oh, they should have reigned him in a bit I do kind of appreciate the joke at the end, although ultimately they go the direction I didn't want them to go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, basically, <clears throat> the word "spray" is accurate because the ex- accident. <clears throat> God, I'm so upset with this episode. I'm <laughs> vomiting <on> myself. <laughs> no, I didn't actually vomit on myself. That's an exaggeration. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, sperm. Yeah, Morty sperm. Uh, yep, yeah, Morty sperm and accidentally creates, you know, monsters and they gotta figure out a way to lure it away, so of course they create a giant egg and I have to explain this because it's actually plot relevant Yeah. Ah, the egg actually ends up being Summers Mm -hmm. so everyone realizes, oh god we're potentially gonna create a giant incest baby. And this is not in the
11: form of like Peter is describing it as that, no that's the name of this giant incest baby
17: Yep, yep. They're flat out calling out for what it is. And then they go ahead and make it anyway. Yep. Even though I do appreciate just how much no one wants that to happen. I know, I no, I, aff-
11: I give them props for that. Like, yes, the characters are not so deprived and just depraved and just disturbed that they would go to this level and be and be not upset about this. But, but uh, uh, yeah, they still went there with it.
17: No. This is, uh, yeah... <laughs> and then he gets in the space. Yeah,
11: and and the, the worst uh, part about it, this is not this is one of those those ties where it doesn't just fall apart and disappear into the to the ethos.
17: Like this actually plays a role into a later episode. Yep. Uh, and then we get a Graffiti Oh god, these are so bad. <laughs> uh, was oh, this the social? Yeah, this one's okay. Yeah,
11: no, it was it was, it was forgettable.
17: Yeah, it's it's just I don't remember it at all. No, I no. Really I well, I was reading,
11: I'm reading the wiki description. I remember it. I just don't remember it, even really caring about it much.
17: No, it's just you know, <sighs> I mean you know, like Jerry getting a <laughs> Jerry getting kidnapped and going to hell. Yeah, because it of sound pleasure interesting. Yeah, like the setup isn't bad, but the the ultimate episode is just kind of fine. Yeah. I mean, I do like I do like how everything is kind of set up there. Yeah, I appreciate the Hellraiser
11: spoof, but, you know. Uh, yeah. And, and interest, interestingly enough, like, I, I'm i intrigued to see, like, how the, the backlash affected this episode. Because I was looking at the ratings, and, like, there's a big drop between Rick, Rick Dependence Day and Rick Dependence Spray
17: and this episode. Oh, yeah, that's actually a huge drop. Yeah,
11: like, did people really get that mad?
17: <laughs> I remember it not being popular at the time. No, no,
11: I remember, like, there was a huge a, a bit of backlash from the fourth episode, because I remember while I was watching it and, and finishing it up, I looked at the reviews and was like, yeah, I can see why people got upset about it. But I did not realize it made, made, had made a big dent on, on, the, uh, on the, the ratings.
17: Yeah, apparently it did. Um... Yeah, so five is skippable. Yeah. Uh but but, but fine. It was alright. Uh yeah. Rick Morty's Rick and Morty's Thanksploitation spectacular. Uh, um this was a weird one. Yeah, yeah. Um Uh people get turned it Yeah, turkeys try to take over the world. Yeah, yeah. that's basically yeah. it. It's yeah. it's a weird Thanksgiving special that aired way before Thanksgiving. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, be... again, I've been saying that a lot. Yeah, no, no, it's
11: definitely one of those those instances, especially with this season. I, I said it at the beginning. This felt like a
17: placeholder season. Yeah. I mean, okay, and then episode seven. <laughs> I mean, Lord knows I wanted to like this one. Oh, who you're telling? Man. Right? And a good chunk of it I did really like. Yeah. And then they pay off the giant incest, baby, uh. and I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> why is that? I mean, I get that because you're... You know, look, if any series was going to have payoff for a giant incest baby besides Rick and Morty, Neo, Neon Genesis and <laughs> absolutely would. They, like, God, and the, the episode title is uh, Gotron, Jerry Sis, Rick Vangelion. Yes. Which, yeah, they would have because the whole thing is they essentially have a weird Voltron spoof where it's ferrets, which I'm like, that's a good parody animal to use. And they end up trying to create even bigger Voltrons by going to other yeah universes other universes, okay. And, that's... Prom- and promising
11: those Ricks the opportunity to have their own.
17: Yeah, like that's funny. I mean, I, as as a fan of Power Rangers and everything back in the day, I can get behind this joke. Yeah, yeah, same here. And, and there's and there's some solid anime references, but then the giant incest baby shows up. Right. Yeah,
11: that, I, I that... still don't
17: get why they called. It. I still don't get why they call it Naruto. I don't either. That's the thing. It's like, I, okay, reference, but like. Is there a specific reason hey, that I'm just I've not never, getting?
11: I've never assumed that Summer was an anime fan.
17: Yeah, like that one felt forced, and that that kind of bothered me. Not to mention the fact they brought the giant insects. Yeah, no, I was that.
11: just hoping that the I hate to say that a whole
17: baby just died in space. <laughs> yep, yeah. and I do love the fact that there's voice over ends. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a solid little joke. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, Seven's... Fine, it's just I hate that payoff. And yeah, that kind of yeah, same here. And
11: once again, it's like okay, yeah, I get it. It does connect to the fourth episode, but it still doesn't feel like. And as we find out later on, it doesn't really
17: mean anything. No, which is really frustrating. It's like, uh, and then we get uh, episode eight though. This yeah. one's this one actually kind of ties into the ending because like the final three are almost like an arc. That and that's the thing. Like this is why I said okay when it hit,
11: you know, hit a, a peak with the uh, Planet Tina episode. And it took a long time before we even got back up. Like this is yeah. where we finally get back up. And as you just said, it's really because this is a solid arc that connects all three episodes.
17: Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, there's, it's well, they still kind of more or less standalone on their own. Like probably the most obvious is how ten opens. Yeah. If you haven't yeah. seen episode nine. Yeah. But yeah, so so eight is recturnal friendshine of the spotless mort. Mm-hmm. One of the better ones, but still slightly too far. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, they're just they're trying to figure out what's up with Bird Person. Uh, because of all the whole Phoenix person and yeah, Tammy. The, I mean and everything. at the end of the
11: uh last season when we yeah. had the big battle between uh Phoenix Person and um and, and Rick. And I always loved that line of Rick telling uh Phoenix Person at this point, uh I always wonder who will win between you and me in a fight. And Phoenix Person responds, that makes that means you're always a terrible friend. <laughs> it's like yeah. Rick is just trying to constantly prove he's still a good friend by restoring his old friend.
17: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like it's a very good character moment in general because he's like trying to fix his uh, his friendship with his horribly mauled friend. Who, and I mean,
11: is, a, is pretty much a cyborg. Like He's never yeah. going to get
17: back. No, it's... <laughs> I do love the ending joke to this too. Because <laughs> it's just like... Without giving you too much away, the basically is like, it's like maybe, maybe we shouldn't have all the violent prisoners in one spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which feels like such a like you know, freaking Justin Roiland Dan Harmon right, observation. An observation.
11: <laughs> <is> a a <laughs> very poignant observation.
17: Yeah, but no, in this one, um, yeah, they just kind of explore Bird Person's mind, and they find like all kinds of stuff, including revelations about Tammy, revelations about Bird Person. Mm-hmm. And of course they get hunted down by weird memory versions of them and stuff. And you know, that's that's pretty solid.
11: And really I, it really kind of like ties into as we're gonna talk about the next two episodes, just to see the depths of what Rick is trying to accomplish and really vindicating himself in his own mind.
17: Mm hmm. Then we get um yeah. Forgetting Sarek Mortchal. Yeah. This one's interesting. Yeah. Uh so we get more idea of the portal fluid, which ends up creating like weird connection between Morty and Nick. I just naturally assume when it first happened,
11: it was like Morty being as stupid as he is would think that a soda would be portal fluid.
17: Yep. Little oh, Morty. Uh so like he he ends up being like I don't even know how to describe this. They're going... They, they end up being, like, weirdly linked psychically. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it turns out, like... Okay, if I'm remembering Nick is just, like, a psychopath or
11: something? Yeah, no, he's locked up in a, a crazy place... In a, in a sane asylum. Yeah. And, um... He blames Rick for
17: being insane. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if we get much payoff to that.
11: Not really. No, no, not... In the, in the sense of uh, a payoff between Rick and Nick, but we, of course, get the payoff between uh, 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 Morty and Nick. But, um, yeah, it's weird because Nick as a character feels like something we should know about. Yeah. Or we're, we should find out something about him in the near future if, if it ever does come back around.
17: Because, yeah. feels... because he doesn't in episode 10, this is the thing I'm, right. I, I'm sitting there like, wasn't there a revelation related I'm sitting there all the time like, wasn't there a revelation related to Nick? Didn't he turn up to be from another dimension or something? No, he was just a psychopath Exactly, yeah, and I just felt like it should have been something more Yeah I mean, that's kind of the thing with this one I do love the subplot with with freaking Rick and the Crows Yeah <laughs> Rick and his relationship with the two crows I, I just love it's the such, fact he loves it, the It's hilarious to read, the the read on the Wikipedia again but it's also just hilarious in the context of the episode yeah, that one's yeah. pretty great uh, cause yeah it ends with Rick going off to be friends with two crows yeah. cause he realizes they're better than Morty yeah. as an assistant <laughs> uh, but then of course in episode 10 it's like the the, the crows are like nah No, <laughs> yeah, the, the crows been cheating on him the whole time <laughs> that's right <laughs> with crow scare <laughs> thank you <laughs>
11: For me, that was one of the best jokes of the whole season. <laughs> it was just the Fetties as Crow Scare. Yep. Oh, man, it was good. That that was good. Like, I. The last two episodes redeemed a lot of the season.
17: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, freaking. So, Rick Mariah Jack. Yes. Uh, the big thing here is. And I actually really like this. I don't know if all of it holds up. Uh, but I love that they actually try to get into the lore a bit.
11: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You because... know, I, I, I'm right there with you on that. Like, they. Finally, and, and that's one thing, like, I do appreciate the callback to Rick lying to himself. Even when we mm-hmm. think he's just lying to other people to get his way, like, he's lying to himself a lot more than he is lying to other people. And we discover, like, no, Rick's backstory that we found out about in the third season
17: is true. To a degree, yeah. yeah. Some some parts of it don't connect with what we saw, yeah. but uh, some of it is very accurate. Cause like so, what happens is um, they go to the sit- the citadel again, yeah, where we finally get the payoff. Which I love, from I love three.
11: the idea when they say it, like this meta moment of, oh man, we
17: know this is gonna be a good time now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go back to the citadel after basically not going for all of season four, from what I recall. Yeah, yeah. And they meet President Morty, and of course, we finally get the reveal that's the evil Morty from season mm-hmm. one. And uh, yeah, he. he What's okay? What is it called? It's the central finite curve, yes. right? So, hey, have you been uh, have you been uh, watching Loki at all, people? Because uh, this very much ties into that. But is it like this is a very ended up being a very timely episode? Yes, it was. For if, if you're a Marvel fan and we're watching Loki, um, yeah. So, what happens is, turns out they're actually in a very sealed off portion of the multiverse mm-hmm. because Rick is purposely not going to universes where he's not the smartest man alive. Exactly, yes. So it's actually, like, it's still a multiverse, so it's God knows how many universes. But it's
11: literally a Rick-controlled multiverse.
17: Yeah, which is why the Citadel even exists in the first yes. place. And we get the origin of how this all came to be, because it turns out uh, the original Rick, uh, our Rick, yeah. he was... He was um, you know, just kind of living a normal life, being a smart scientist, dude, and then all of a sudden, an alternate Rick ended up killing um, his
11: wife and Beth,
17: his wife Diane, and and his daughter Beth. Yeah. So yeah, this is not his original Beth, right? Right. Which is which is very much helps explain some of his complicated relationship with her, and uh, but he ended up inventing the portal gun as a result, and then was hunt, hunting eviler Rick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we get paid for that this season, do no, we? No,
11: no, this is the thing because they actually showcase the fact that he never finds the person that's responsible. Yeah. And then by the time that he gets to a point where he's killed so many Ricks, that then the Citadel pretty much comes together and they form a truce to let Rick just go about your life. We're going to forget about what happened as long as you don't keep hunting our own anymore. Which makes a lot of sense as to why, which we didn't understand when it first happened. We just assumed that, of course, you know, with the Citadel of Ricks that they would be upset when Rick started getting murdered and they assumed that it was him when they happened, I believe that was in season 2, wasn't it? Yeah. So now it made a lot more sense as to why they blamed Rick, our Rick, for the deaths of those Ricks when it happened during the Citadel. I mean, when it happened uh, all those seasons ago. And it makes even more sense now considering the fact that the reason the Citadel exists is because of Rick, our Rick, going on a rampage across so many universes.
17: Mm-hmm. No, everything kind of pays off yeah. It's it's pretty solid And um, like I said, not everything fully I think gels, but enough of it does mm-hmm. That you're like, okay And I mean, you know It's possible the multiverse is just kind of smoothing over Any holes <laughs> But yeah, the big twist And then we do get the, the, the collapse Of the central finite curve mm-hmm. So the next season could potentially Have multiverse stuff That'll be even more shocking because uh, I think it still got renewed for season 6
11: yeah uh, I think they said it was, they have like 50 episodes left they have I think contracted so <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I do not believe all of that <laughs> considering like the exaggeration of like even with this season of just how many episodes we're going to have with Rick and the two crows but <laughs> I mean I'm assuming that we at least got at least two to three more seasons
17: yeah. so we'll see what happens yeah um, yeah.
11: I, I just appreciate the fact that um we've been calling him evil, evil Morty the whole time, and him admitting that the only reason I'm evil is because I'm sick of dealing with a Rick. Yeah,
17: but, that's true. That, that was, I mean, that's just his official title.
11: Right, right. I just love that line of, if you've ever been sick of Rick, you're evil
17: too. Yeah. Oh, good bit. But no, like, uh, so as a result, the... Yeah, probably four or five episodes in this season are really worth watching. Yeah. The rest are just kind of uh, yeah. They those awful.
11: were just like the throwaways that they ever were.
17: Yeah. It's a shame. It really is. Like, cause I was I had
11: a lot of high hopes for this season, considering coming off of a lot of the big revelations and, and decisions that were made in the the fourth season. That I thought it would be a lot more, almost um. Uh, how would I put this? Like. I, I just thought i thought it would blend in a lot more with every episode it would be more serial than it was
14: mm-hmm.
11: yeah I, I just i i knew we would have a few standalone episodes here and there but i just thought it'd be a lot more cohesive in terms of the story and the, the storytelling i mean like one of the big things that we had in the season two we didn't really even mention was all uh, the budding relationship or, or really kind of like summer wedging herself into Morty's spot. Like, we had, like, one episode really dedicated to that and a couple of moments here and there, but it really didn't matter, especially when it came to the last couple of episodes, like, him picking two crows over Summer after everything that
17: happened. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, uh, Planetina episode there, that, um... That was a major subplot. It was that she was teaming up with Rick for most of it because Morty was too busy with Planetina. And, I mean, yeah, like, we kind of skipped over that. I mean... Beth and Jerry's weird relationship that kinda of went nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I was real disappointed. Uh Space that. Beth showed up a few times, yeah. but I mean ultimately didn't matter too much. Yeah,
11: because, I mean that was another thing I kinda of alluded to in the um at the end of the fourth season, like, hey we got two moms and like no you don't.
17: Yeah. She's in what, three episodes? Four episodes? Yeah. And yeah, it, even then she only really matters in like one Yeah, yeah. So it's just kinda like, yeah. Yeah, i um, Let's talk about they... something. Oh, what are you what? saying? I was going to move on, but did you have something else you wanted to no, say? No, I'm
11: just saying, I hope they pull it together a little bit more cohesive uh, for next season. I'm just, I am just I think back to, like, the Venture Brothers, and I love that mm. series, but, like, the last season, the seventh season, which, unfortunately, at this point is, like, the final season, when it shouldn't have been, felt kind of like, like a placeholder season. Like, they were building up to something really big. And after seeing the last couple of episodes, that's what I'm kind of hoping with this season.
17: That's fair. All right, let's dive into... Something that I think we both quite enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Demon School in yeah. season two. You fourteen
16: old human, you?
17: He's still fourteen. I thought he was fifteen. No,
16: now.
11: the thing about it, and this is the thing that really got me, <laughs> was by the end of the season, I was like, I'm just waiting for them to change the uh, the introduction that he's he's fifteen now, and no,
17: he's still right. fourteen. There's got to be a birthday episode coming. Yeah, cuz I don't think be, there's one the in the manga.
11: Episode. maybe the first episode of season three will have the birthday episode.
17: That'd be nice, because, yeah, I don't think it's ever established when he got older in the manga. They just kind of kept rolling with it. Okay, okay. Because there's no birthday arc, from what I remember. Right. <laughs> um. But, yeah, no, so season two of Demon School. So for those who aren't familiar, the premise is uh, a, a, a young, young boy named Iruma, who's about 14. Uh, his parents sold him to a demon for money. And, and not only his parents, they emphasize his idiotic parents. Oh yeah, his parents are the worst. <laughs> so that that's the kind of thing I love is like there's no like oh I miss my old life because his old life sucks. Yes, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, so you get sold to uh, Sullivan, one of the demons who just really wanted a grandson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like one of the most powerful demons in the because there's I think they reveal in this season there's thirteen powerhouses. Yes, one yes. Of them. And even then, I think it's one of the top three.
11: Yeah, and we actually get especially at the the final episode. Um, hmm. this idea of what he could have been if he chose to.
17: Yeah. And then, um... Okay, so... I wanted to get into the story arcs of the season. So the first story arc kind of starts in an awkward place because it's Irma discovering that his... the ring he has all this time has a demon inside it. Yes. Named Alicred, who's gotten more powerful based on how powerful Irma's gotten. The ring of Gluttony. Yes. Or the gluttonous feeder. Yes. Which leads to him practicing his magical girl transformations, which gets real awkward when uh, Amory, uh, the student council president, yeah. walks in on him dressed as a girl, and, and of course, you know, she's like, what? No, this boy, like, can't be a cross-dresser? Right. No. That's a bit of an awkward place to start with. But, a, I, mean, I
11: love the fact she started having wet dreams about him, too. That's hilarious. Yeah.
17: <laughs> now she's confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's trying to, and then she decides to, like, just kind of get, um, Ir- Irma is like, okay, we need to get you proper discipline. Yeah! So you're going to join the <laughs> student council I president. I
11: love that twistle. Like, we, need, we know exactly what you need <laughs> to be a man again.
17: <laughs> yep, just join, and so he joins, temporarily joins the student council mm-hmm. presidency, which, which in turn is like, oh, so this is going to be like two, three episodes where he's like, you know, getting down to business. It's basically just one. No, because it really, the end it, of the second
11: it happens. It wraps up so fast.
17: I mean, this arc is only four episodes. Yes. and it, it moves fast because yeah, it turns out she's now like. Then she's like more demure. Yes, yeah, she and gets like poisoned. Weak. She's dainty. Yeah, she gets poisoned, so she suddenly becomes dainty, and this is a really bad timing because one of the best new characters in the season, <laughs> Rono- Renove Romias. Yes. yes! Who has his, You've seen characters like this before. Yes. (laughs) This is one of the best versions of these types of characters.
11: Holy crap! Is he amazing? On screen, I want
17: this guy on my screen the entire
11: time. (laughs) He
17: he, his whole thing is he's one of the most flamboyant, over the top. Like whenever he mutters, he mutters his own name. Yes. Like he says, "Roll, roll." (laughs) He has a cheering squad. He
11: sings songs. And do not touch him, he actually has a precise timing in his mind of knowing how much has touched him.
17: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what if Gary Oak from Pokemon actually kind of sucked, yeah. but still had all the ego? <laughs> and still had enough charm to kind of get through it.
11: Oh, man. I love him.
17: He's easily one of the best new characters this whole season. Yes. a couple other good ones that show up. Um, but Yeah. <laughs> so he's challenging her for basically presidency more or less yep. it's not exactly accurate but and the problem is she's now kind of weak and like ladylike and the council's covering for her but eventually she kind of gets powered yeah, through it back, when Irma kind of gets her so. a pep talk and you know it's basically the the, the payoff to all this is Amory's resolve is is re- reconfirmed and also she realizes oh I'm flat out in love with Irma yes yes like she is flat out, like, okay, I I want that human boy (laughs) who is half my size. (laughs) Which pays off hilariously. (laughs) So we get that arc, and you're like, oh, that was charming. And then we get kind of a little mini-episode where they have some fun with Grandpa and his Mm -hmm. friends at his house, which then leads into this might be my favorite arc of the whole season. uh, The evil arc. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so Iruma is temporarily turned evil by Alakred, because it's like because Irima's like I've never really felt like a demon, so he gets turned to his evil. He goes through his evil phase, the evil cycle sorry yes. which is where demons are more like this is something established before, where demons can be even more evil than you. Right. They're they, they assholes,
11: just ruthless at this point.
17: Yeah, this Iruma is amazing. Yes, because he is definitely more of a dick. Yes, <laughs> but he's still the nicest guy. And he still wants to be somebody that's helpful. Yeah, I know, that's the adorable thing about it all, is he's still, like, he's just, he's smarter, he's more confident, he's, he's, you know, a bit more abrasive, Mm -hmm. for sure, like, he's, he, he, he's, like, at one point he just forces Clara to sit on his lap, more or less, but she doesn't object. No, no. (laughs) But it's still, like, ooh, and she's, like, ah, what's going on? (laughs) Because Clara's, you know. Clara's wonderful. Oh, that poor sugar pop. Yeah, <laughs>
11: that, that, uh, I believe it was the third episode where they had that montage of her trying to
17: play. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, the video games. <laughs> yeah, she joins <laughs> the gamer club temporarily. Yeah,
11: yeah. What is this? It's a, it's an egg that you pass around to see before somebody
17: drops. She throws it against the wall. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just force of chaos. Ah, <laughs> oh, good times. But, and that leads to them getting a new classroom, which yep. is pretty great. Yep. Uh We get the we get this exam arc, which is actually very short. Yes, uh, one, one episode wasn't it? Uh, two and a half. Okay, yeah, okay. But the big thing is we get introduced to um, Balum. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. He he's, I I still think uh, Renove, Renove is better, but Balum's pretty great. You no, know, Balum's a great character, like you said, but just Renove, like that first impression. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Alicred's pretty good, too, but, like, you know, he's, like, it's just hard to get over (laughs) Runaway. He's such a Uh, high standard. By the way, oh, man, you want to talk about cute episodes? The Girl Talk episode? Yes! It's a half episode. They all get, they all have the four main female characters, which is, you know, Amory, uh, Clara, uh, what the heck is the name of the Ice Girl? Uh, uh, Yeah, there you go, there you go, Yeah. Yeah, and then Elizabeth is also there, but, I mean, she's not had much of a personality. No, no, not at all. She's probably the most odd one up, but she is also a succubus, so, fair enough. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, they're going to talk about boys? Yeah, I get the succubus Yeah. N- not the stereotype, but, dude, the scene, the bit where it's like, hey, could you see yourself marrying Irima? And then Clara just goes through. Oh, my God, that's an amazing scene. It's just a
11: tornado. It's amazing. <laughs>
17: 14 year old girl Hasn't really thought About boys in that way it's like Hey You think you could ever See yourself marry them And she's like It's like what She she parses the concept Yes Which gets even more hilarious When you see her family In the 12th episode You see the insanity She really tells yes. with Also For top new character Clara's family Oh my god Because uh, like I mean They appeared in other seasons Right In the, the previous season
11: But this like the first time We really got a chance To see that That whole dynamic In action
17: Caligo going to their house Getting greeted by them And then just like I don't want to be here So he does that The rapid s- Steps inside the door Immediately steps out And just leaves <laughs> One of the most Like I'm Describing it I'm not doing this justice No no
11: It's, it's one of those things Like you have to see it To believe it
17: Yeah Ugh Then we get the shonen arc Which is them going to a water or er, Well that's no, not even a water park Sorry it's just like a park Yeah it's just a park Yeah yeah, it's a theme park and the uh, shonen stuff happens, but it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's all, yeah. I love how it's resolved. Yeah, I don't want to give that away, but man, the final like payoff, including Renove returning. Oh my god, the payoff of Renove in that arc is so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> first, first, how he helps in the final fight. Yes, and then his dad shows <laughs> up. Danove, what did they call him? It was something hilarious. Oh man. The dad is great. Yes, it's basically he is. with is. It's basically him with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, mmm. But yeah, that's the, those are the four main arcs. We've just kind of touched on those briefly, and I'd say all of them are pretty good. No, like, no all the of Walter...
11: that, they have good pacing. They don't overstay their welcome. Like you said, yeah. uh, even with the first arc, it, it kind of shoots through, but it's actually fine that it does, because I would hate to have seen that go, like, double the episodes.
17: Yeah. I know, episode is probably the weakest, and even then, it's still good. Yeah. It's just, it's very much indicative of the Shonen problem. Like, like I mean, because season one had a problem where there's one episode where it's basically entirely about mood, mm-hmm. which became really repetitive, where basically Iruman constantly checking on characters. Right. That ended up being really boring. This one focused on the side characters, like you would see in My Hero, you would see in Naruto, you would see in any of these, you know, Shonen shows. But I think it did it in a really good and interesting way. Especially because they've been slowly trying to do more stuff with Jazz in particular. Mm-hmm. Because he was a character that was slowly getting fleshed out more. So he ended up kind of... Because that was the thing. In season one, they kind of established he was a thief, but they didn't do much with it. And then in uh, season two, they really kind of go into his abilities. He gets more personality. They establish he's one of the top demons in class that isn't one of the main characters. That's all very good. Yeah. And so that's still good, even though that's basically the episode. Yeah. <laughs> And then the wrap-up episodes for this season are pretty great. Yeah, I love the finale. Uh, the, fina- the finale and okay, you got to admit the dream date was pretty cute.
11: No, it was. It was. It was. It really was. But I, I am
17: I... not normally that guy. But no, damn. <laughs>
11: <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Just... I, I really enjoyed the finale because I, I'm always I'm fine with the idea of setting up a premise for a ne- another season. I'm perfectly fine with that. No, not knowing exactly when we we're going to get the the third season. But yeah. I love the potential with the questions that they've left on the table. Mm-hmm. Like they set up such a strong goal for the third season already.
17: Yeah, well, because yeah, they they have they, have a, they flat out say, and I don't think this is much of a spoiler, uh, because of the events of the season. Now everybody in their class needs to hit fourth rank. Yes, which I think only five of them have, and they're only in their second year. No, they're they're not only in their second semester, they're still in their first year. Yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. <laughs> and so they have to... And uh, I, I do kind of know where this goes, because I have kind of familiarized myself with some of the future story arcs a bit. Right. I've been trying to avoid too many spoilers. Uh, but I know there's... And of course, like this isn't a shocker if you've um, watched anything related to school in, in Japan or um, anime. There's festivals. Yeah! <laughs> in this case, um, there is a... Um, culture festival arc coming up. I don't know if that's going to happen in the third season because... Okay. Uh, there's a mini arc that I think was about four or five chapters in the manga. And they've been going back and forth because they've sometimes adapted two or three chapters into one episode. They've sometimes adapted uh, one chapter into one episode. Like, the Dream Date is one chapter. Okay. And the, the Visit to Clara's House is one chapter. And, like, they turn in... They made an entire episode out of both of those. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, um... The, the ending episode was not in the original manga, it was actually in the middle. Oh, really? Yeah, because well, cause it's a manga, right? So it's more serialized. Right, right. It, there's no gaps. So that was actually. They moved that to the end, which I thought was a really smart choice. Yeah, no, I worked perfectly. Yeah, because otherwise, most of the stuff is pretty much how it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things got bounced around here and there, but I mean, this one was probably more true to the uh, manga than the original was. Uh, the first season was. Because the first season they did stuff like they introduced Amory way earlier. Okay. Um. They set up stuff with like Jazz way earlier stuff like that. Like they better establish most of the characters from the get-go. And there's one character we still haven't had a chance to explore, which I'm imagining will happen in season three. Okay, yeah. Which they set up in season one and they still haven't done anything with, which is fine because it's it's a payoff way, way later in the series. Mm. (laughs) Probably season three. (laughs) We'll see what happens. But no, um... Yeah, because this is a, this is probably one of my favorite anime right now. That's ongoing, Domo, mm-hmm. and uh, I just—it's hilarious. I love it. It's—it still hits that shonen need for me too. It's yeah, just no, like, mm. it just feels so genuine. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's a genuine authenticity, and I just love how wacky the demon world is, man. I can't think of the name of it, but those fish creatures—they ride at one point. Yeah. That thing was great. <laughs> and, like, everything they do more or less makes sense. Yeah. Like, everything is properly set up. I mean, <laughs> there was one point where we're like, oh, right, that's what this guy can do. Oh, right, that's what this guy can do. Oh, I wonder if what's, wait, why is this happening? Oh, no, is it because of, and and it's always, the answer is almost always yes. Uh, that Like, it's just good storytelling more than anything. It's hilarious, but it's also good storytelling. Uh yeah, I don't know if there's much else to say. No, no,
11: absolutely fantastic season. I'm glad it built off of the uh, first season and really got me excited for the third season.
17: Yeah, because I mean the first season is still pretty good, yeah. but I mean, like I said this. There's no really slump here.
11: What they built off that first season, like okay, we helped them now. Let's just like take it to a whole other level. Yeah.
17: Uh, god, good stuff. All right, um. Guess we'll, we're already kind of running long, so we'll wrap up two TV shows. That's going to happen. I know. <laughs> I knew the risks. Uh, but thank you for listening, folks. we went a little long this week. Uh, thank you, as always, for being here, James. Oh, it's
11: always my pleasure.
17: And hey, if you like the podcast, uh, we are on iTunes, we are on Google Play, we are on Spotify. Uh, be sure to check us out, uh, subscribe, you know, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's actually do a call to action for once. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hate if I get a comment later, it's like, I liked it better when you guys didn't do did, call did. to actions. I'm like, oh, man.
11: Didn't did, did do those kind of closers. <laughs> the goofy stuff.
17: Uh, you know, and be sure to visit, uh, QuinnPop.com yep. for more stuff. Like, James just plugged his, uh, first impressions for Life is Strange. Yep. That should be coming out the same day as this episode, actually. Because it's dropping Friday? Yeah, it's dropping Friday, yep. Yeah, because I don't think I saw it yet. No, 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 no,
11: yeah, yeah. Uh, This past week was Psychonauts 2, I think, so... Yeah, Psychonauts yeah, makes 2 sense. this past week, yeah.
17: Which, speaking of, that'll probably be the next episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, we kind of had a plan. Uh, I gotta go back through my message history now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most we planned in a while. I know, like,
11: while. I, we were talking before the uh, we started recording, like, this is one of the first times in a long time we have a lot of stuff we actually want to talk about that's coming out in a pretty short order, and it's, like, perfect time.
17: Yeah, because we've got Psychonauts, uh, I forget what else there is, and then of course there's Lost Judgment, though that'll probably yep. take a while. we got, uh, um, for
11: movie form, we got Venom coming, and like stuff yep. like that, we're talking um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine no just wrapped up.
17: Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah, that'll probably, I mean, I imagine the next episode's gonna be, um, it'll be Psychonauts to mm. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Venom, I would imagine. Yeah,
11: yeah, yeah.
17: Yeah, so there you go, we're gonna flat out tell you what the next episode's go. gonna be. you
11: can look forward to it, and you'll get our <laughs> yeah. inside
17: jokes at the beginning of the audio. Yep, and then we'll figure out what the heck we're going to do for recording. But that's an off-episode discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, folks, uh, just remember, if you suddenly find yourself with parents that are just don't mind the idea of you potentially going to live with a demon, maybe you're better off. Yeah. You know, just if a giant fox waifu shows up and it's like, Hey, I want to be friends, it be like, okay. It was well worth it. There's, there's much worse fates.
1: <laughs> if you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.